You know, it's interesting. Nikki Haley Pounds, Pelosi's Climate Committee, does protecting God's creation include babies? Again, we are bringing, and we are part, I shouldn't say we, but we are part of, we are part of the movement that's bringing this to the forefront. And thanks to you, each and every one of you out there, this, the message is getting into D.C., into D.C. circles. You're listening to the Hagman Report on this Friday, the 8th day of February 2019. Bottom of this hour, Michael Daugherty. Um, I, wow. How do you like that, pronouncing it? Yeah. Michael Daugherty. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, it's not, not, not like he's never Michael been on before. Doherty. Right, he's, he's coming on. CEO of Cyber guy. Education Foundation, also the author of The Devil Inside the Beltway. He's been on That's several times. That's a great times. book, man. Wow. And we're going to talk about the uh, Apple. We talked about this yesterday on the fourth hour of InfoWars. <laughs> we also talked about yeah. it on our show. Yeah. Apple turning over the data to Roger Stone's iCloud, iCloud handing it right over. You know, they won't even unlock phones for the uh, terrorists who have terrorist, uh, yeah. attacks. And hey, we yet, can't do it. They're just turning it over for Roger Stone to and, and see, on Roger Stone. Okay, so what does that have to do with babies? What does Roger Stone have to do with babies? I want to hear. Well, I'll tell you what. Keith Hansen nailed it last night, the unalienable or inalienable, depending on your take, but both are correct. Uh, there's, a, there's a distinction there with the difference. Rights bestowed upon by God under the Constitution, enumerated by the Constitution. And, of course, the foremost is life and then liberty and so on. But here's the bigger picture. The Constitution has been torn to shreds by previous administrations, not the least of which is the uh, Bush administration following 9-11. And, that's, and, and hey, it's tough to hear, but, it, but so what? Uh, so are a lot of things. Hey, you got to have to have a root canal. It's tough to hear. It doesn't change the fact you got to have a root canal, all right? But, but, he, but we're talking about something much bigger. We're talking about the destruction of all of our civil, civil liberties, and we're talking about the march uh, by the, the deep state globalists from this country uh, as well as other countries, but all across the planet into uh, complete uh, uh, control, uh, collective, as noticed, noted by Charles Sasser, the author, Crushing the Collective, and, of course, uh, William J. Murray, uh, also an author that we've had on. Uh, the, uh, uh, the utopian lie, the communist utopian lie. Or, or I, 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 forgive me, I apologize for not remembering the title of the book. But the bottom line is this. You've got, uh, you do have some interesting parallels between the, the civil rights of the unborn and the rights or the, the rights of the unborn and the rights of the people today here in the United States, again, as enumerated by the, by the Constitution, but given to, given to us by God. So I am not attempting to equate one's Fourth Amendment rights against unwarranted search and seizure and safety and property uh, with respect to papers and property without of life. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is tell you that they're all branches of the same tree. They all have the same root system. And when you when you pervert one, you pervert many. We have allowed this to happen and it, it's gotta stop. Nikki Haley, interestingly enough, ha, has verbally taken on Nancy Pelosi by saying, you know, 
her climate committee, that is, to be more specific, saying, you know what? You talk about uh, saving the climate and saving the whales and saving the snails, but you don't talk about murder of the unborn. I noted really quick in the comment section of our YouTube channel a uh, video, and, and somehow I missed this. I don't know. I don't know, but I missed this. This was uh, done testimony before, uh, I believe it was Grassley, before the, by an abortion doctor to the, uh, uh, before the, uh, one of the committees that Grassley uh, headed. I, th- I think it was Grassley. Uh, um, who did we see in D.C. at the Capitol? Grassley. Grassley. Right? Yeah, okay. No, Bob Goodlatte. Goodlatte. Maybe it was Goodlatte. <laughs> right, right, right. It was good lad. I'm 99% sure. And uh, you, you've got to see it. It's on Facebook, and it, uh, this abortion doctor describes a procedure for abortion. Now, you may think, well, that's just really totally unnecessary. I don't need to hear that. I don't want to see it. I, I, they don't show it. He just describes it, this doctor. He's done over 1,200 abortions, and just describes how it's done. Yeah, you pull out an arm, and you put it on the table. Pull out a leg, you put it on the table, you take a pair of forceps and you squeeze and something about the size of a plum. And when you see white uh, fluid substance come out, that's the brains of the unborn. And then you pull real hard because you got to yank. And there goes the head. And if this makes you uncomfortable, I hope it does. Because we've got people celebrating more than that. you got people celebrating infanticide, death, the murdering of the unborn. And I'll take it a step further. What Keith Hansen had come to the realization through his research and is coming to the realization, as many others are too, this is connected to the satanic. And remember this, and here's, here's what it was labeled back in the 80s. The satanic panic. Does that ring a bell to anyone? Oh, the satanic panic. The McMaster school case, remember that? Back in 80-something. 80, 80 I think it was litigated in 1990, and everyone was, oh, you know, it was, after a 33-month trial, everyone was acquitted because it's, oh, it didn't happen. Satanic panic. Even, even to the extent of the three from the Franklin child, uh, Franklin uh, scandal cover-up, the three young people, two that spent years in or were sentenced to years in jail for lying to grand juries back then about the Franklin cover-up. It's all a lie, right? The, the satanic panic grips the 80s and 90s. and Then you had uh, FBI agents working for the behavioral science unit of the FBI, a, new, a newly formed unit founded in part or modern, I should say modernized, not founded, but modernized in part by John Douglas, well-respected behavioral scientist, working for the FBI, author of the book Mindhunter. It's a good book, and he's a good, was a good agent. But you had, uh, I believe his name is Ken Lanning. I, I don't, don't quote me on that, but writing back in the 1990s about, well, nah, you know what, ain't quite seeing the, the numbers don't work out. It looks like we're just... Uh, missing children and what have you, not really what we think it is and the satanic ritual abuse, not quite what people think it is. Okay. Some say, including Ted Gunderson, and you know people know who Ted Gunderson is, but we talk about a polarizing figure that 
Well, one has nothing, or that, I'm sorry, that uh, uh, the, the FBI agent uh, working, again, for the behavioral science, science unit, and this is now inching on to the 90s, like 1990 or thereabouts, had done as much damage as Anton LaVey and um, Aleister Crowley, basically. Now, I'm not sure if I agree with that statement. I think that's an overstatement. I think that that has some trouble. I think it's troublesome. However, it's worthy to note that if you take that situation back in 1990 and 80s and 90s and you look at the situations back then, apply it to what's happening today. Again, the, the satanic panic of the 80s, McMaster, McMaster school children. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's just it's fear porn. Well, of course, they didn't use fear porn back then. Or it's fake news. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. Pizzagate. Oh, it's fake news. Nothing to it. Pedogate, nothing to it. Now, you might ask why, and I would say that you've got every reason to ask why. I'm bringing all of this up. And how in that world did I go from Nikki Haley climate to, to Roger Stone to that? Well, because it is, as the conference that's going to be held April 4th through the 7th, it is a continuation of the age of deception. This is not a a sales pitch for the conference. I'm just saying that we are living in an age of deception. Look, and then I'm going to turn it over to Joe. Here's what's taking place. We are exposing the deeds of the deep state denizens, the the powers, the black powers, the workers of iniquity, and, and we are exposing them at a, at a high rate. They, regardless of what you might think or say, they're feeling the heat. Are they in jail? No. Are, are they are they in Gitmo? No. Have they paid for their crimes here on terra firma? No. Are they going to? I don't know. But the, but they're on the run. They're hurting. They're suffering from this exposure. And I'll tell you one thing, they don't like it. Oh, man, they don't like it. Which leads us to an asymmetrical battlefield that we find ourselves. Now, I, and I, know, I, I really think those who are paying attention, this makes sense to. Because how do you fight that? How do you fight, for example, how do you fight the facts of infanticide? Well, a number of ways. You delegitimize the the unborn as people. But it's awful hard to do when, when you're talking arms and legs and fully formed human beings and sonograms and kicks and what have you. Well, you still delegitimize... But then you turn the conversation elsewhere. You start deflecting and you start shucking and jiving. These people start shucking and jiving, you know. Oh, it's the black faces now. Well, let's talk about the black faces and, and how terrible that is. And, and that deflects, of course, from the real case of the infanticide and people like Northam and Cuomo and all of the other morons and insidious, perverse bastards out there that want to kill children. And you think that's improper language and certainly not worthy of uh, my ire. Well, then change the channel. 
please, don't talk to me. I don't because you know it's, there's no help for you. So you got uh, you, you've got this intense blowback, and if you remember President Donald Trump in his campaign, and even at the very first moments of his administration, what did he do? He struck out against the deep state by doing what? By asset, civil asset forfeiture of child traffickers. Let me tell you something. That did hurt, and it continues to hurt to this day. But it's not enough. Exposure needs to keep happening. And the fighting back, the deep state fight back, pushback, is against people, the weak links in the chain like Roger Stone, Jerome Corsi, and others I'm sure will come up, in my view, perhaps Eric Prince and maybe even Alex Jones and other people will, will certainly feel the, the brunt of the Mueller deep state probe. And that's the removal and that's the shredding of the constitutional rights of those people and all of us who are out here fighting the battle. But the battlefield is evolving and changing. I guess that's my message. When you recognize that and recognize how, how much it's evolving and changing and you understand the pushback by the deep state and understand that Roger Stone, we're all Roger Stone. Yeah, I don't care if you don't like him. I don't care if you think he's an idiot. I, I don't care. Even idiots and morons and, and, and they've got rights. If you're a United States citizen, you've got rights. But according to the deep state, they're going to use the Alinsky tactics and the Alinsky workbook and Alinsky strategy, who, I must say, you know, this misinformed, ill-informed, holier-than-thou, good God, ankle-biting moron, in my view. I saw a blog post. It just reminds me of a blog post where... <coughs> This this uh, this owner of this blog said, well, the Alinsky book's been out of print for like 50 years. It's irrelevant. Wow. Really, there are no words to describe that level of stupidity, that level of ignorance, that level of absolute insanity. Except, right? except, yeah, except, unless you don't want to face it. Or you're part of it. And I believe it's a little bit of the first and a lot of the last. You said that somebody was arguing because of a book being out of print oh, for 10 yeah. years. It wasn't relevant. Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of these. Somebody so, here's what happened. That logic. Let, me, let me just make sure. I, I just, I just hang on. I, I want to make sure. Somebody sent me an email. Somebody had written about us. Okay. okay. And, and, said, and said, well, they're making a big deal. It was a reference to us making a big deal about Alinsky, uh, the Democratic uh, Socialist, and using Alinsky tactics. And there was a sentence in there. And I don't, you know what? I didn't, don't, didn't read the whole thing, but what caught my eye, and what, what met, I really recall was this, this again, this, this mental midget moron said, well, the Alinsky tactics in the book's 50 years old. I mean, I'm paraphrasing now. But it, 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 it's irrelevant. What, what, what are you, from Pluto? 
I mean, are, are you that stupid? What's wrong with you? What, 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 what's wrong with you? Aside from the obvious. So, we not only have to fight. Oh, and, and that, she, that person also, it's a she. She also purports to be an uh, uh, alternative news watch person. A moron. See, that's what we're that's what we're up against, and the reason I bring that up only not not to not to drag that out because I wouldn't give that person the, the time of day, except as an example. That's what we're fighting against. In some in some respects, not not all not all the people are that stupid. Believe me, believe me. You you got to work to be that stupid, especially when you're above fifty. You got to work to be really. I mean, you do. Okay, let's see. And then you got the, the people, of course, on the on the immigration debate, uh, or I should say, the illegal alien wall, the wall, the border security, and stuff. You see, uh, Chris Cuomo. Yeah, go and I'm going to turn this back over to you. That's my opening statement, and and that concludes my opening statement. I'm not going to talk anymore about this, but everything except to say in closing, everything's tied together, everything's connected. And it's that same root system feeding the tree, and the limbs of the tree are from the same demonic, satanic, shall we say, root system. And we are fighting on different levels, and of course we know that, and that's why we're fighting. And that's we're fighting against really true, unbelievable, unspeakable horrors and evils and demonic and satanic, and you know that, but but understand it makes more sense when you get to that, that point. So go ahead. And we'll, we'll get back to the uh, outrageous coverage of some of the net, network news on the uh, latest on the uh, upholding of a law uh, on abortions that was looking to make Louisiana the only abortion provider open in the country. And they're touting this as some major moral victory and the Supreme Court upholding the rule of law. Chris Cuomo talking about the the border security issue, saying that Republicans want illegals to kill Americans because it's convenient and it creates talking points and arguments for their uh, wanting the the wall up. But let's go to something that I wanted to talk about the last few days, and we've not had a chance to do so. The Pope has been in the news in recent days, and this is the head of the Roman Catholic Church. He has been in, uh, one, having Islamic mass at the Vatican and embracing Islam. Two, now in China, and uh, go to HagmanReport.com. You can read the article verbatim there. Pope Francis to Chinese Catholics show respect and loyalty to the communist regime, the same regime that, uh, you know, implemented the one child policy, murdering millions and millions of, of Chinese baby girls and, and uh, infants and uh, continuing to, to kill their citizens, oppress their citizens, topple churches. We uh, remember Teshua T. Uh, we had the gentleman on who oh, yeah. Yeah. was helping the victims of child yes. uh, sex trafficking escape the prostitute, child prostitution rings in China, but had to be underground because the Chinese government want, did not want a, a Christian in there saving these young girls because Christianity is the evil in the communist empire. And not, not the child trafficking, not the child prostitution and selling. It was the, the people trying to save them who were the real threat. And, uh, you know, we did a, a few shows and, and they were very powerful, but what is the Pope doing running around to all these uh, totalitarian regimes, giving them praise and then telling the people to follow these unbiblical, unchristian, uncatholic ideologies, even over their religious faith? It makes no sense whatsoever. 
unless the Pope himself is truly one of these agents of this satanic agenda. But it almost and seems that way, doesn't it? My <laughs> goodness. You'd have to be uh, blind and, and, and uh, ignorant not to see that. But he's becoming more, more vocal about it. He's becoming more open about it. And what, there's maybe one or two issues that he says are still wrong. I think he's against full-term abortions or infanticide. And I believe he's still against homosexual marriage, at least in the Vatican. Beyond that, I don't know. He's promoting any and everything that the globalists uh, promote from Agenda Agenda 2030 and this green uh, gospel, as uh, Sheila Zelensky wrote, to what we see with the social justice warrior mentality. You know, just stop right there. When you say the the green agenda, a great opinion piece in the uh, Washington Examiner written by Tiana Lowe today, the Green New Deal is just a red Trojan horse. Just want to point that out so people can can look at that. That was it. Yesterday, go, go to um, yeah, yeah, that was yesterday published. There's a great piece on. Uh, I'm looking for it here. Thefederalist.com. The ten most insane requirements of the Green New Deal, uh, promoted by Ocasio Cortez and her partners in crime there in Congress, including Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, and others. But uh, the, we went over a few of these. But this puts it in a very easy, comprehensive list. One: banning affordable energy. Eliminate two: eliminating nuclear energy. Three, eliminating 99% of cars. Four, tear down and rebuild every building in America. This is number four. Destroy and rebuild every building in America. Five, There's a better chance of that happening than than guys giving up their cars, let me tell you. Five, eliminate air travel. Six, have a a government-guaranteed job. So so is Al Gore going to have to take, like, the trolley? Um, what they call for here is high-speed rail at a scale where air travel stops becoming necessary. Good luck, Hawaii. California's high-speed yeah. yeah. uh, rail is already in a $100 billion of debt and looks to be one no, of the state's largest fiscal disasters ever. Amtrak's, Amtrak runs billions of dollars in the red, and uh, that's year by year. And imagine growing that business model in every state in America while at the same time uh, banning the use of cars and private travel. Anyway, the gar- government guaranteed job. Uh, I forget what number I'm at, but let's just go. No, no, but, but, but I guess, just for life. Say, say, wait a minute, wait. Go back to the cars because I'm stuck in the cars. Go back to the cars of the '70s when, when there were boats, okay? With, with the with the you know honking V8s. All right, you, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. I know you do. None of this pansy, mammy, mamsy, pamsy stuff, mammy, pamby stuff. You know, with the little whatever the phrase is, with the little engines and the little scooters and mopeds. I mean, come on. And it goes All on right, from here. so go on. A free education for life. Uh, a, a nutritious diet. They're promoting that the government will provide healthy food to every American. Oh, boy. Because Americans don't know how to do that for themselves. Michelle a Obama steroids. <laughs> a guaranteed house. Uh, the next one, free money. And the last one, banning meat. These people, this is not a, a new green deal for America. This is a total control behavior modification, behavior takeover of how you live your lives and how you're allowed to live your lives based on what the government has implemented. And the Constitution was laid out not to restrict the people from doing things, but to restrict the governments from infringing on the rights of the people. And what do we see here? Over and over and over again, the governments continue to try to implement their ideology. And it goes much further than just, you know, taxation without representation. It goes into, well, this is how we want you to live. This is how you're going to live. And if you don't live like this, we're going to take everything away from you, all your money, all your freedoms, all your, you know, X, Y, Z, and you're going to uh, have to have to deal with it. And this is the point we're getting at. And what makes it worse is we've always had this ideology festering in this country. In the 50s, you had the uh, 
uh, what would you call it? The, the hunt for the communists. And some people will make fun of that. Other people will say it wasn't a real threat. Well, look where we are today. The full-blown communist agenda is front and center and being shoved down our throats. And the Ocasio-Cortezes of the world, if they have their way, will be able to implement agendas like these, which will turn our country into a Venezuela, into a North Korea, into, uh, you know, pick your country in history that turned into a totalitarian regime where it murdered all of its citizens. And how did the dead babies and abortions play into this? Well, we talked about the continued push towards infanticide, going a step above abortion, saying that mothers should be able to kill the babies after they've been born. And what does that lead to? Well, pretty soon you're going to be able to kill the undesirables, the elderly at a certain age. And I don't want to misquote this here, but I believe Ocasio-Cortez made a quote of something along the lines of, well, if you lived to 80 years old, you've lived a good life. It's time to die. Bill Gates, well, instead of treating the end-of-life care, <clears throat> excuse me, for somebody who has cancer the last six months, we could hire 10 teachers for a year. This is how these people think. And they always twist it into something good or try to twist it into something good. But either way, they're going to have their way eventually, if history is any indicator uh, of the future. And as far as the American public, well, <clears throat> they're not wise to this. <clears throat> excuse me. They don't see it or they don't care enough to, to see it. They'd rather watch the Super Bowl. They'd rather watch uh, whatever, you know, circus and, and uh, show that, that they can take their mind off of it. And rightfully so. Many are busy. Many are feeding their families. Many are doing what they can to uh, provide and, and uh, live a good life. But at what cost? Because their children, their grandchildren are not going to have those same opportunities because these people didn't put their priorities straight and make sure that they stuck up for what's right first, standing up for their neighbors and other people. Uh, fighting against these totalitarian regimes and the days of the you know greatest generation world war uh, world war one world war two are long behind us you could never have a situation like that i don't believe not in this day and age where you'd see that level of uh, camaraderie amongst the american people coming together to fight a common enemy for their very survival what would that look like today uh, i'm going to tell you what it's going to i'll tell you what it's going to look like I call shotgun, or I'll drive. But either way, let's begin the fight. Go ahead. When we come back, Michael Doherty will be our guest. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to this Friday edition of The Hagman Report.
Exposing the New World Order, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Stand by. Doug and Joe will be back shortly. You know, it's pretty interesting. We started the program out by talking about the government's uh, surveillance and overreach into, into various areas. Our guest, Michael Darty, who we've had on before, is the author of The Devil Inside the Beltway, subtitled The Shocking Expose of the U.S. Government's Surveillance and Overreach into Cybersecurity, Medicine, and Small Business. This guy knows exactly what he's talking about uh, from experience. And we've had him on before, and he's a great he's a great guy. Follow him on Twitter, uh, Doherty MJ at Doherty MJ. He's the founder of the Cyber Education Foundation. He's a CEO, speaker, advocate, government corruption fighter, and again, author of Devil Inside the Beltway, Joe, and also the founder of the Justice Society. And we're going to talk about the the overreach of governments and surveillance, and where this is all moving from the healthcare industry to, to Big Brother. Uh, to how this affects our everyday lives from traveling to hotels to uh, even in your own homes. We were reading an article last week. I don't even think we got a chance to talk about this. Smart meters are going to be uh, uh, spying on patients with Alzheimer's in Europe. I don't know if you still have that article. Oh, yeah, yeah it's not spying on them. It's, it's, it's care. It's assist, yeah, it's to assist them. Yes. That's how they, yeah. uh, you know, wrap everything as you though it's for your benefit. And that's how they do the... the burning per- the bread. Personalized medicine, the surveillance, uh, health surveillance. But with that, let's bring on... Uh, Mr. Michael Doherty, and again, he's a, a guest on the show in the past, and the, we're going to be talking about a whole host of issues. And let's just start with Apple and Roger Stone. Um, Mr. Doherty, it's great to have you back on the show. We were talking about this the last two days. The uh, Islamic State attacks and the terrorists who carried out those attacks, some here in the United States, couldn't even get the, they couldn't get the FBI to unlock their phones. The FBI refused to unlock their phones over some privacy concerns after the terrorist attacks had taken place. Yet here you have Apple turning over the keys to Roger Stone's iCloud, handing it right to the police. Um, just jump right in here. What are your thoughts on this? Welcome to prosecutorial discretion <clears throat> and and why the founding fathers separated powers because <clears throat> they're making up um it's 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 faw justice it's it's selective justice so they'll they'll whistle past the graveyard on on the political correctness of having any sort of profiling of someone that's Muslim because it's a religion how dare they could do that 
But if you are a friend of Donald Trump's or you're just a boorish, obnoxious guy that wears really a, a lousy, just, you know, chalk straight suits, well, then, my gosh, um, Apple will just open up the whole world to, to come at you. And, and so this is, if we don't understand the self-interest of this, it's, it's the, what's happening is people aren't understanding there's a difference between free speech and liking what offensive speech you have, the difference between uh, lack of due process versus you knowing someone's guilty. Like, everyone thinks O.J. is guilty, but <clears throat> no one's going to say he shouldn't have had a trial. And we are building these environments where these people are not getting any sort of trial or due process. And yet it seems everyone seems fine with it these days because uh, you now we have a generation of people that understand their fund- fundamental principles of this country. Well, what should be the standards? Uh, like I mentioned, <clears throat> I think the San Bernardino terrorists, after they carried out the terrorist attacks, the, they couldn't get the phones unlocked. Uh, and the FBI went to the companies, uh, whether it was Apple or, uh, and said, "Hey, uh, you know, unlock these phones for us. We want to see what's on this." And they I mean, said, even, no. "Even with warrants, I mean, is is the warrant the standard?" That's I want to interject that into your question. Would would a would a legitimate warrant be a standard? Well, it depends on the jurisdiction. It depends on uh, what local courts will say. It depends on who who's doing those things. So. You know, it depends on how much Apple wants to fight. One of the things about these companies, they, they have more money than most countries. So, you know, that means they have, and we're America. So, you know, if the government tells you what to do, you don't have to do it if you want to fight it and run the clock. And that's what the threat will be. It's like, well, we're big, bad Apple, so we'll get a bunch of lawyers and we'll run the clock. And we'll, and so then, then someone from the other side will leak it to the press, and they'll try to make it a court of a public opinion thing. And, and then everyone's going to want it to go away. Uh, so it's, it's, this, it's this game, this playbook that the public doesn't really understand because no one's going to explain it to them. And, and, and I said, you defeat with doubt. You don't defeat with facts, it, meaning doubt is all you need. To, um, to to harm someone, uh, and so you know when they play these media and, and you games, should know. they just bring doubt on people. Yeah, you, you should know. Devil inside the Beltway, folks. Look, it's an important read. It's a very important read because the author is on with us right now, and of all people that should know about overreach and surveillance and stuff, it's uh, Michael Doherty, Devil Inside the Beltway. If you don't have that book, please get it, because it is so relevant to what's taking place today. It's 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 alarming, and th- this is a man that's gone, undergone this this kind of crap. Not Maybe not to the extent it, of that. It's not even really about cybersecurity. It's just that cybersecurity has brought it so in our face because the lack of cybersecurity in this country has created so much cybercrime. And if you're a cyber criminal, you're just having a field day right now because you, no one's going to hold you accountable for anything. And it's exposing the fact that Congress really abdicated its power 100 years ago. 100 years ago when they start with these agencies. So the people that create rules, <clears throat> they don't call them laws, they call them rules and policies, same thing, but we call them something different, uh, are not elected by us, and but they're empowered by Congress to do so. So the branches of government over time has said that's okay. Congress can make the laws, and Congress can even create agencies to make laws for them, create your own assistant, so to speak, and Congress would love this, because then... They don't have themselves to blame for anything. They're not responsible. They create. I mean, <clears throat> they didn't even have staff, you know, 100 years ago. I mean, if, if congressmen that died in the end of the 19th century saw Congress today, they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't even have staff. <laughs> so, 
these people are terrifying because it is this 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 organism that's gotten so huge and 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 because it's not in our civics books, it's not taught in our classrooms. It baffles everyone, and it goes against what we're taught. And then when when we have this type of bad news situation, which we're, we're starting to wake up to, but there's a lot more waking up to do, um, then we go into denial or some sort of cognitive dissonance, especially if you're on the left. You know, because if you don't have a government that's saving the world from a victim, you don't have a job. You don't have a, a political belief. You don't have a stance. And there's some people, if they don't have... To, they don't have some victim that they think they get to save, usually from just from sitting in front of the television. They don't really go save anyone. Uh, you know, they freak out. And, and the problem is that that has been allowed to morph on now for decades. So we have people in office and and in, and in bureaucracies and in you know in the FBI and the DOJ that have so much power and absolutely no accountability. Because they've baked in the cake of the past 50 years, especially criminal immunity. So these people are just uh, gorging on this power. Most unpleasant. Can, can, this be, can this be stopped? And why hasn't it been stopped with Donald <laughs> Trump in the office? And I know we've touched on this before, but, you know, if I, if I was Donald Trump, I'd be kicking the file cabinets every day, you know, side of the desk and saying, I'm going to get well, this. Well, it people. hasn't stopped because yeah. how big and broad it is. And when you build something up over a century. It takes more than a term. And it's the perfect storm. And, you know, everyone that's screaming about Trump is really, it's almost like that's a, a glow-in-the-dark guy, because all those people are part of the infrastructure, and that would be the mainstream media and and the bureaucracy and rhinos and the far-left Democrats. They're all screaming because it's all the same story spun one way or the other, but it all ultimately is we're here to save you. And if you don't let us save you, oh boy, is your life going to be terrible. And so you don't want that to happen. And they exploit then the uneducated and the poor by keeping them that way. So they can always have someone that they need. They don't empower anybody. And, uh, they're in a panic now because this is this Trump win was just this glimmer of like, oh my gosh, the masses are waking up. You know, there some people are starting to really get it, and um, that terrifies them because where are they going to go? If you're a bureaucrat that's been embedded in Washington for forty years and you're pulling down two hundred thousand a year and you can't get fired, which is a great gig. What are you going to do yeah. if, that, if that evaporates? So they're fighting for their own survival. And when humans fight for survival, ethics go out the door. You know, yeah, that's, a good that's very well stated. Yeah, very, very well stated. And I think it's, it's you know, it is about money, but it's more than, it's about more than money or I, I think I stated well, it's about money. Right it's about beha- behavior modification uh, to get a desired result. It's about uh, uh, so much more. I wanted to this was, uh, move into this. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about tonight: how many of the popular iPhone apps secretly record without your uh, screen, without your asking. Secretly record your screen without your asking. Even it goes, I was reading an article. It talks about the banking apps. If you do online banking on your phone and and log into your account on your phone your phone will go back and record what it is that you're doing on your phone and guess, this goes not guess only we're not crazy after app, all is, i mean there, it's so uh 
in depth here what these apps are, are able to do by accessing your microphone, your location, and your camera, and also the, the what you look at and read on your phones. And then they turn around, they use that data and, and uh, sell it to marketers so they know how to best advertise directly to you. They sell that advertise, they sell that information to uh, Big Brother so they can, you know, uh, I guess judge your threat level and on and on and on and on it goes. And is this even legal? How, how are they able to get away with this? And how invasive and big of a problem is this, Michael? <laughs> Well, everyone basically is waking up to the fact that when they're making applications, would you like to sell your app or would you like to sell your app that you made and then have a revenue stream? So money, you know, creates this vulgar behavior and these legal loopholes where it's like, well, it's my software and I've licensed it to you and I get to do what I want and someone somewhere clicked on the box and they take the data and they sell it. That's very, very valuable. And people have to understand it's not just marketing uh, information. It's they can, it's like you're a jigsaw puzzle they're putting together. And and the, and the people you hang with, where you work, where you're, what zip code you're located in, where, where you drive, how often you travel, how you travel, all that builds this portrait of you and your community. And if they decide they don't like your community, They'll learn a lot about it through artificial intelligence now. So it's a very, very, very terrifying thing, and it's happened really quick, and people are making a lot of money off it. And it's not just marketing stuff. They can turn that on you. And this is the problem because all these things are turning into nothing more than data brokers. I mean, Google, Facebook, Twitter, they're data brokers. They just scoop up stuff about you. They pack it, and they sell it. And I have a, it's a big, big business because nothing nothing's better than a job where you get a percentage and, and these guys put their hands in so much of these so many of these transactions and then they build a pipeline and a network where they can control the, the throat of it and uh, and you have these oligopolies we're really blindsided by this it's going to be fascinating the next 50 years what happens i mean people are you know facebook <clears throat> is starting to get a really bad reputation it's starting to seep into people's consciousness and and, and they should because all these people lie they're lying. They're private enterprises, and their job is to make money for their shareholders. That's it. Their job is not to tell you the truth. Well, and the story with Facebook is uh, a few points here. One, intelligence agencies have probably spent trillions of dollars trying to get the exact information from a population that Facebook has been able to get and get paid to get by users in, uh, volunteering their own information. And it goes well beyond that. Uh, and we could break down multiple layers of, of this in, with Facebook. But the American people, the whole world, turning over that information to Facebook, thinking they're becoming part of some social networking sites where they can talk to their you know, old friends, be connected with their family yet if anything it is providing the these government agencies and overlords the information that they have been paying trillions of dollars to get their hands on before the invention of facebook so uh that did fill a niche with with uh, with that but this goes beyond that because the at least with the apps they're not only recording what data is input uh you input into these apps they're recording uh you know your behaviors what you're eating what you know how you use your phone what you're using your phone to look at what you're reading what you're sharing i mean it is so much more in depth than that and then 
the uh, other side of this is the medical uh, aspect of uh, what I call personalized medical medicine, or uh, you know what we see here with the the future of medicine, the uh, electronic health records, and this is all being rolled into the economic and health and banking information is being rolled all into one, and it's going to be repackaged, in my opinion, through some sort of AI technology, through some sort of RFID component, however that looks. And, uh, you know, it can create, when we talk about a true one world system, uh, it gives the mechanisms or levers of control to the uh, power brokers to create this system using the machines as the interface. Michael, how close are we to seeing something like that be rolled out? Well, I mean, we're incredibly close. And and the issue, the, the, the problem is when you get a bag over the head of the public and say a listener right now is going, well, what am I supposed to do about it and why do I really care? See, it's divide and conquer. They only have to make an example of a few. The media puts it up as a big story. Fear controls the masses. And you just, your life is fine as long as you don't get out of line. So life is fine as long as you don't get out of line. And that's terrifying because and cause as long as you keep the, the majority of people not hassled and kind of comfortable, then you can pick off your, your, your people on the end and do all sorts of terrible things to them like they did to me or my company. And, and the trip up is it's not going to plan because of Trump. And but but we're also learning how deep the roots of this 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 bureaucratic culture are so that there's no way. I mean, look at the the fury and the relentlessness of Mueller. I mean, just look at it. Now we're looking at the you know inaugural staff. <laughs> I mean, the vendors. Uh, you know, did they forget that we voted for this guy? And that, what did they? Do they think that we were bamboozled and we thought that 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 really, you know, Hillary's an angel or Obama was a saint? Uh, you know, they're they're so unspeakably arrogant and and really, you got to look it in the face. It is terrifying, but it's not going to go away if you pretend it's not there. It's only get bigger. So, um, and this is spoken by a guy. And I just wanted to say again, I, I think that that you know your book, Karen, four four and a half out of five stars on Amazon, right now, you were one of the first victims. I mean, uh, pre Roger Stone, pre Mueller investigation. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. the early adopter. Yeah, you but know, this is yeah. all connected. Yeah, it is it's all connected into the power of the power grid and keeping everyone just in line and and. At the same time, here's the other edge of the, the knife. There's no accountability for these people. So when they get when they get ambushed by a surprise like the internet, where the the criminals now are all over the world and not being held accountable, and where they're taking all commerce and our secrets and our military stuff and all that, then you, and you have people with no accountability in D.C. Then cybersecurity gets worse, cyber war gets more likely, and we've got these unaccountable buffoons running the show, and it's not going to get better. And if the public's confused, then the public won't demand it. So there is a a self-interest of that establishment, whether it be media, Democrats, rhinos, judicial, whatever, to keep the public circled and confused. That's all you've got to do. To prevent them from sort of, you know, as far as they're concerned, when Trump won, it was just like everyone rising up with pitchforks and, and torches, you know. 
you know, they don't want that to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And if I may, this is so. Uh, this is a really left field question for you. But subsequent to our last visit, and after again uh, reading and perusing your book, Devil Inside the Beltway, I just have a question for you, especially given the politicization of the FBI. And this is my question. It's simple, and um, I'll accept your answer regardless. Should the FBI be disbanded? I know it's a left field yes. question. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, because I think I think you have to start over. I, I think you have to. Um, I think you have to transition it. But it's terrible. But again, what the principles of the separation of powers are, are, are universal in all human behavior, and in the judiciary and the investigative bodies, we've gotten to a point where even though there's many, and I would say most good people. There's not a culture of accountability with the bad ones. We're at, at the mercy of their own sort of, if their mother raised them right. Uh, few These people can do some really bad things, and most of them don't, but they can do a lot of bad things and nothing happens to them. Just any, everyone just research what happened to Senator Ted Stevens and watch what happened to people that violated him. Absolutely nothing. If you are a state senator... And, and the loss of his seat to a Democrat so had a, 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 a domino effect throughout po- politics the next decade. And look what happened to those people that did that to him. Nothing. And so that's the scary part. They, they so were, we they were rewarded. Here? Weissman's on, on with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is on with Mueller, right? Yeah. Uh, well, the guy that got fired for the case in Alaska just he had like a four-day suspension, ultimately, and then that got termed. And I was talking to one FBI guy about this about three weeks ago. I just had a big cyber conference in Atlanta, and he said, well, I think one killed himself. And I said, okay, killed himself or not, who is actually handing out the justice? Nobody. Good point. Self-infliction doesn't matter. It's like we cannot be at the mercy of law enforcement because their mother raised them right. <laughs> there has to be accountability for people that don't do their job well. And, and, and this, believe me, I come from a law enforcement family. I don't like saying this. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't, I don't have any axe to grind here. And, and I think most of them are good. But the culture is what has to be changed, and it's bad. Yeah. And how do you, I mean, we don't have to get into how do you do that because it seems like with te- this technological innovation that we've seen, much like the Industrial Revolution, revolution uh, in the past, it transformed a society in, in, in many well, positive it, ways. But this seems to be making it, people You'll learn how powerful the FBI and these agencies are the second you try to expand them because it's not going to happen because everyone's got something on somebody in that town and, and they'll use it for their own survival. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And that, that should wake up the public if we ever hear the story of it. You, you know, you know, but what we see when you say is how they go ahead. Well, when you say everyone's got something on somebody, how compromised do you have to be to, to, to maintain your silence in this kind of environment? Well, you learn that this isn't just a term thing. When you come into Washington, I mean, honestly, like with Obama's team, it started at Harvard. You know, so many of those people in that power grid with Obama were all in Harvard Law School together. Right. It's chilling. You know, and so they've been, they walk through their adulthood together. And that, that, that is a cult. And, and, and they cover for each other when they totally screw up. And, and they, they whistle past the graveyard. They look the other way. They keep their eyes down. And if one of them screws up, they, 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 they cover them. 
So, you know, look at Aaron Schwartz in Boston. You know, commit suicide. What happens to her? Nothing. True. Over, over, overreach. Prosecutor discretion. Just, and it's a typical game with those people because they have no frame of reference. It's the same thing. Absolute intimidation. Go after your money, your reputation, your children, your house, your survival. Without a trial. Just the fact that their power is so great, they can hassle you into the ground. That's what they do. And they say it's in the name of justice. Yeah, some justice. And, and again, devil inside the, the devil inside the beltway.com, the devil inside the beltway.com. Uh, Mr. Darty, do, do you have any conferences coming up or anything uh, for the public? Uh, yeah. uh, well, actually, we are, we're planning Denver, Milwaukee, and Detroit, but we don't have the dates yet because we had a debrief from what we did in uh, Atlanta. Okay. So I'll have maybe in about three or four weeks, I'll have some dates. <laughs> oh, super. All right, we'll okay. check up on those and we'll uh, uh, promote them, absolutely. But I want to ask you kind of a, a question that maybe you did not anticipate getting into tonight. Any thoughts on what's going on with Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the Supreme Court? Well, I mean, look, uh, you know, again, I don't want to put this. She has the right to be on the court as long as she wants. Right. And, and, and what she's doing is her own choices. So that's fine. And, you know, keep in mind, everyone, that she and Scalia were thick as thieves and very close friends. What I find amusing is the actual left itself, because they, they eat their own. If you remember, during the Obama administration, they were like, she needs to step down. She needs to step down. <laughs> she needs to step down. <laughs> we need to price her now. I mean, you right. know, and then they kind of gave it up because they thought, well, Hillary's going to win for sure. Well, then Hillary lost. Okay, now here comes a movie about how she's such an icon. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we have really short memories about their hypocrisy about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And, um, but, you know, that is a lifetime appointment, and a lifetime appointment means a lifetime appointment. And, you know, that's... But, but is that a lifetime of, of uh, functionality, or is that a lifetime regardless of, you know, is that just mean a... A pulse and a ventilator, and I'm not trying to make light of this. Yeah, that could that, that that until we change the law, it could. And and because remember, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Now, some yeah. people would probably like Roberts this week to actually go the way of her, <laughs> but you know, you can't have these opinions based on politics on the Supreme Court. It's as if you know, do you not chuckle when they say, "Did you hear the guffaw through the entire country a few months ago when Roberts said, you know, oh, these these the Supreme Court." on the politicized body, give me a break. That's true. So, you know, I don't want to, I actually don't think it should be, and we all know it is at some points, which is the last, ever since Bork. Very true. What the left did, and what the left did to Robert Bork, it still reverberates to this day. It's outrageous, and it just takes us lower. And you just, you know, you don't want to start that vicious circle, but... You know, they have no boundaries, none, zero. Look at what they did to Kavanaugh, and now look at their silencing in Virginia. Yeah. I mean, where where is the wailing and the screaming in Virginia? Yeah, the, you know, where's Don Lemon on CNN having a stroke? It, very well stated, very well stated. The double standards are, what's that, are outrageous. What's that, what's that ambulance-chasing lawyer in California, Gloria Allred? Where's Gloria? <laughs> she never saw a TV camera she didn't love. Where is she? 
<laughs> You're right. Yeah. You know, standing with the victim, calling out. Oh, you know. my and word. It, it's oh, absolutely yeah. right. There was more detail about uh, uh, the lieutenant governor and his encounter as they had a location and a time and all this information that Dr. Blosley Ford didn't have. And yet the media ran with it as though it was gospel truth, even though all of it was unsubstantiated. Right. Yeah, you bring up some And where's Gloria, Gloria, like, sitting next to the poor? Victim, yeah. you know, milking the tears, and, and and I'd love to interview Gloria's former clients to see when suddenly she stops turning their phone calls. Very yeah. interesting, so. Michael. We've <laughs> you you've taken us right to the top of the network break, man. I'll tell you what, a lot to think about, and I want to thank you so much for again your your great you're, you're a gracious man and your gracious gift of time for us tonight, and your wisdom is impeccable. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Folks, if you haven't gotten the book, The Devil Inside the Beltway, seriously, it's an engaging read. It's four and a half. I mean, look, I'd give it five and a half stars if I could. Um, The Devil Inside the Beltway, it's not not new, but it's relevant. Going to be right back. Stay with us. Exposing the New World Order, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Stand by. Doug and Joe will be back shortly.
This is the Agwin Report for today. It's Friday, February 8th. Folks, by the way, our, to our Patreon supporters, don't forget, uh, we are going to have a Patreon meeting this Sunday at 7 o'clock. And that's, of course, uh, subsequent to or following or uh, – that's right. Thank you. All right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we were having an off-air discussion here. Yeah. And- I couldn't figure out – some. I, I forgot somebody and then – you know how it is, um, but nonetheless, uh, Patreon meeting this Sunday at seven o'clock, and I would, I would urge everyone, every Patreon member that has the ability to to join us. Really, we really appreciate those uh, really kitchen table meetings, if you will, or those uh, informal meetings. We 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 like uh, we we like the input from the people, and we like the interaction. It's it's such a great it it it, it, it really it does empower us. I believe. After those meetings, you just it, it, we just have a great feeling. It's kind of like rubbing elbows together and sitting around talking. Um, uh, so thank you. Uh, Patreon meeting seven o'clock on this coming Sunday. Reschedule from last Sunday because of some sporting event somewhere and uh, soccer game, right? Football game, a Super Bowl, of course, is what I'm referring to. And uh, tonight we, we've got a, a great guest coming up uh, with a couple of new books out. Kind of buttressing really all of what we're talking about and encompassing all of what we're talking about. And we've been talking, of course, about the the surveillance state. But more than that, you know, Michael Doherty, Devil Inside the Beltway, talking about the surveillance state and the current aspect thereof. And, um, of course, he was one of the first to really, I shouldn't say one of the first, but his book really laid out his unfortunate experience with, with the... Um, just a business just getting pummeled like I would say Arthur Anderson or Enron kind of thing uh, unjustly and what happened with him and, and then all of the, the pointing things out as to what what was, what was went on then and so the parallels to today. Um, but, you know, we start off the program talking about um, really the, the, the bigger aspect, the, the, the more... Um, what would you call it? It's just kind of the, the, the bigger world view, I suppose, bringing the lens back. And uh, that's what this is all about, is looking at things with a bias, with, with, a, with a wide view, and then focusing, drilling down on various aspects to, to create this, this bigger picture. And that's what, that's what we do. And, of course, the bias is the con- Constitution and the, uh, the Bible. So you've got a constitutional bias and a, and a biblical bias that we're looking through and uh, it's more understandable because both are under attack today. So, yeah, they are. And uh, one of the things that I don't think we had a chance to mention, uh, I, I've been seeing another increase in this kind of activity uh, from the payment gateways, such as PayPal and others who are again, ramping up their banning of conservative uh, content. And Laura Loomer, she was one of the latest victims of PayPal uh, cutting her off for his, her anti Islamic rhetoric even though she is Jewish herself, and uh, well, I don't even have to explain okay. this, but she—you you didn't mean anti-Semitic. You meant anti-Islamic. Right? Anti-Islamic, right? And she's. Jewish. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, if I if I messed that up, yeah. she is Jewish, and they're going after her saying that she made uh, anti-Islamic remarks. Right, right. And and what what did she do? She's been only pointing out the truth of uh, things that have been done, and she got in the face of one of the. Uh, uh, Islamic congressional candidates, then candidate now. You know, uh, wait a second. She didn't get in her face. No, she, I mean, she, she got she was, she, in, into an event and asked yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, that's all. 
But yeah, now we see the, the hammer coming down on the payment gate, payment gateways, such as PayPal. And I just saw recently a website that uh, I used had their payment gateway stripped and citing, you know, very uh, vague terms of service. Uh, for the reasons that they do so. And we see this across the board. We talked about Twitter and Jack Dorsey, how he has uh, you know, basically said, oh, I don't know why these people are banned or those people are banned. And we, we found a neat tool Puts. we should po- post on the website of how to tell if you or somebody you follow is shadow banned and how, how to what extent. It's been around a while. It has, but yeah. we were playing with it yesterday or the day before, and I think I should post it up there for people to uh, be able to get in there. But with us, we have Mr. Doug, Douglas Woodward. He has been on the show before. And he has some new books coming out, and he sent some to the studio. We haven't got them yet, but we're going to be talking about the books. We're going to be talking about Mystery Babylon. We're going to be talking about a whole host of other issues uh, on top of that. Mr. Woodward, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Fantastic. Doing well. Yeah, it's good, it's good to have you. Thank you. It's always a, really a privilege and a pleasure for me to have an opportunity to be with you all. I'm... Uh, I'm working from my iPad tonight, so hopefully the picture is adequate. I, uh, I've been troubleshooting for the 30 minutes my my uh, Mac Pro, which isn't working apparently. So, so we'll just have to go with the iPad and hope for the best. Well, you know, ever since the upgrades and or up, updates with things like Skype and other things, yeah, we've been dealing with guests who can't connect via video. Um, the video is sideways, backwards, double. So I, I, I empathize with you. It's good. It's good. You're fine. That's all right. Well, we'll we'll make it work. So uh, yeah. So I've kind of prepared on a number of fronts. I kind of wanted to to see what you all wanted to talk about. I'm I'm known for uh, talking about uh, geopolitical issues, uh, Bible prophecy. Um, more recently, I've I've just completed a book called uh, Rebooting the Bible, which is really dealing with the sort of the origins and the history of how we got our Bible. Um, and it, it gets into a lot of controversial issues. Um, and so I'm hoping that we may have uh, maybe more than one show to talk about that because there's a, there's a lot of meat and a lot of things there that we could get into that would be uh, challenging probably for some members of the audience and would cause them to scratch their heads. And that's actually probably a, probably a good thing. But uh, just to give a, maybe a one-minute overview of that book, uh, it's dealing, it initially deals with um, – this thing called the Septuagint, which was the Greek version of the Old Testament that was uh, uh, written or translated around 250 to 280 B.C., so 250 years before Christ. And um, so it was, it was written or translated in Alexandria, Egypt, and it had a tremendous in- influence upon the New Testament. About 90% of the verses in the New Testament are actually quotations from the Septuagint. And I'm sure your listeners know that um, that the New Testament, of course, is written in Greek. And so the fact that this its Old Testament was in Greek, the Septuagint, and uh, it made for easy quotations. And it, um, it enabled the church and really the Jewish synagogues throughout the world that were already using the Septuagint to, in effect, have a ready-made Bible that the evangelists of Christianity could uh, could lever. And so uh, so we sort of begin with that. We get into a conspiracy um, with the rabbis that were, they had just sort of transformed themselves from the Pharisees to the rabbis uh, within about 30 years of the temple being destroyed in 70 A.D., 
And so my book alleges, with a lot of support from the church fathers of the first two or three centuries, that the the former Pharisees, now rabbis of the first and really the second century, attempted to alter, uh, corrupt might be too strong a word, but alter the, the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament, especially the chronology of Genesis 5 and 11. And by doing that, they were trying to weaken the case that Jesus of Nazareth was, in fact, the Christ. All right. And so I get into that subject, and then I talk about the sort of the progression. Most people don't realize that for the first 500 years of the church, the Septuagint was our Bible. There wasn't a King James. <laughs> there weren't any of the modern translations. Uh, the church didn't use the Hebrew Bible. The church used the Septuagint. And uh, most people probably don't know that to this very day, the, the Greek Orthodox or the Eastern Church continues to use the Septuagint as their Bible. And uh, Catholics, of course, use the Latin Vulgate that was translated by Jerome uh, around 400 A.D. But it would be another two to three hundred years before in the Western Church, in the Roman Catholic Church, which, of course, really was the Protestants weren't separate then, so it was sort of everyone but the Orthodox or the Eastern Orthodox, um, that they really were uh, still using the Septuagint as well. So saying that the church used the Septuagint for the first 500 years is, uh, is a very conservative way to say it. And so, uh, so I, I point that out and I talk about the progression of that, and then I jump into chronology. I get into looking at the verses in the Old Testament where I believe tampering occurred, and I show, <clears throat> I show a comparison of the verses in the Old Testament, which for us, really, for most people, is the King James Version, and show that with the, um, the King James Version and the Septuagint Versions and how they compare, or better yet, contrast, and, um, and show the dis really the discrepancies between those and the fact that if you look at the New Testament quotations of the Old Testament, that they align almost perfectly with the Septuagint. <coughs> so we know that the Septuagint was, in fact, the Bible used for the most part by the apostles and those that wrote the New Testament. So then I dig into chronology. A lot of part of the book really gets into the whole question of Egypt, uh, Egypt's chronology. When did the Exodus take place? And uh, all these things end up being quite important because of demonstrating or attempting to prove that the Bible's history is, in fact, the history that archaeology and Egyptology tells us is, in fact, true. <coughs> I'll take a break and let you all respond. <laughs> no, there is, uh, you know, we, we, we've had on a uh, number of pastors in the past talking about the different versions of the Bible and why things are the way they are, why scriptures are changed for different denominations, what, uh, and, what is, and what was really known versus what has been lost, if you will, in translation mm -hmm. throughout the years. But uh, the, the Septuagint and all these different tools that we see, the lexicons and the uh, one of my favorites is eSword, where you can pull up the Greek and the Hebrew and the wor root word definition of mm -hmm. each word and get to the origin mm -hmm. of the words and uh, even break them down from there. And it gives you a much better idea and understanding of uh, where these words come from, but so many people today in the in the church, um, you know, e even the uh, what, what's the name of the new Bible? It's the the New King James and the uh, well, there's the uh, English Standard okay. um, version, the ESV, 
and uh, certainly the NIV, which that's is more it. controversial. Yeah. yeah, that's the more controversial one. Yeah, and I forget the exact numbers here, but you know, I think it's over four hundred in some cases, just in the New Testament alone, maybe that they uh, have tra- transposed or taken out words that were, uh, you know, like salvation and uh, heaven, and they they put their own words in there, changing the whole yep. message of the gospel around to mean something totally different than what it was, perverting it from what its true intentions were, and you mm-hmm. know. Uh, one of the things that just baffles me is that uh, Christians should not rely on a pastor to interpret their Bible or to teach them their Bible to them. Uh, every Each and every Christian has a uh, responsibility to learn the Bible for themselves, uh, to pray for themselves, and to get to know Jesus by, by themselves. And today we see the opposite is true. Christians believe that they should have – that's what pastors are for. And I don't know where this uh, misconception has come from. Maybe it's technology and on and on and on. But these these Bibles and, and – uh, these bad Bible translations feed into this uh, ignorance and into this uh, unwillingness to learn, I believe. But the damage that has been done over the years through mistranslations and uh, where we are today, all these different versions, mm. is unrepairable. Well, maybe I could extent. ask, what, what, Bible, yeah. what translation of the Bible do you use, and what, what, is, there, is there an accurate Bible out there? Well, I think there, there are some that are more accurate than others. Uh, first off, on behalf of the King James, I should say that it is probably the most important book in the history of Western literature, right? Now, that does not necessarily mean it's the most accurate Bible, but it is certainly the Bible that uh, tens of millions have been saved through. And so it certainly um, is a Bible that we should uh, endorse. However, it's important to make note that if you even compare the New Testament in the King James with the Old Testament in the King James, you're going to find in several dozen verses— specifically around the Messiah, that there are differences in what is expressed, okay? And so that tells you that <clears throat> that the, the what's known as the Masoretic text, which uh, feeds into the, the Hebrew Bible, if you will, and I can get into all this great detail, but I'll try not to go too far into that, that um, the Masoretic text is different than the Septuagint text. And it is the Septuagint that is the, is the Old Testament used in the New Testament. All right, so the King James is still a fine Bible, but be advised, and I show this, it was intentionally altered in certain passages to attempt to obscure that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ. And, of course, that's part of the book, was laying out the rationale for why that was occurring and then going into the detail as to which specific verses um, are examples of that and so forth. Now, to your to your question, I tend to use two Bibles. I use the Septuagint, which is probably good since I'm sort of promoting that, and then I also use the, the ESV, which is a newer translation that takes into account the Septuagint's readings, as well as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so it, uh, it's probably the most current in terms of the manuscripts that are used. And, uh, and so from that standpoint, um, my view is that it is probably the most accurate relative to the original autographs of the New Testament. But again, there are many that uh, are listening to us that are strong proponents of the King James Version, and they're, they've been well-trained, uh, probably with a dozen arguments, why what I've just told you is not the case. But it is the case. Well, you know, how do we rectify this? I mean, obviously, I, I'll tell you a story just about my um, 
own personal experience in the Presbyterian church that I grew up in and was raised in. And once some of these issues uh, came to my attention, I would start to question the pastor and ask questions, you know, about this, about that. And never was I given any satisfactory answer, even got to the point where he couldn't explain his own points of view and why he thought the way he Mm -hmm. did. Instead, he would point me to videos and, and hand me literature that tried to defend uh, you know, maybe if I was lucky, the, the issue that was originally uh, in question. But uh, as I was saying, the the, uh, the if the Word of God has become corrupted through lies and manipulation and deceit in, in so many mm-hmm. of the Christian homes, how, how do we turn back from that? How do we reverse this? And um, I, I just, I'm at a loss for words here. I don't know uh, that there is one solution, if any solution. I mean, um, uh, what are what is an, an ever average, everyday church-going Christian who prays and, and who has a personal relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus supposed to do in the face of the social justice warrior Christians who are uh, embracing the world, throwing out the gospel in, in its turn <laughs> and using scripture out of context or right. because it was written in the wrong way uh, to justify mm-hmm. it? Well, I'd say that there's really kind of two different questions. One question is, is what versions that exist today that really are based on traditional manuscripts that uh, they get into the question of which Greek version, which you know Old Testament version is used, and so forth. And we might sort of say that Bibles kind of split into two camps. There's more conservative Bibles, then there's more liberal Bibles. The conservative Bibles are certainly going to be the King James, the New American Standard, the uh, the ESV Bible. If you look at Bibles that we might consider being more liberal. You would be talking in terms of, let's say, the the New English Bible, the NEB, uh, the Revised Version of the Bible, uh, Good News for Modern Man, and I would even classify, uh, used to classify NIV, the New <clears throat> New International Version, as a conservative Bible. But to your point, um, I'm not sure that it it's it's probably somewhat in the middle, but more towards the liberal side in terms of changes that have been made in some of those words. So I believe that really the ones that are conservative are, I would even throw the New King James in there. The New King James is conservative as well. Again, King James only advocates, the 1611 version of the King James, aren't high on the New King James, but that's sort of the second question, which is what is, what are the sources that fed into our Bibles and, and how do we know that, that God has preserved his word for us today? And that's kind of where the Septuagint fits in, but it's kind of where the, the bigger study that I go into in terms of rebooting the Bible is really looking at the history of the transmission of the Bible, how it came to us. So, so mine is a little bit deeper question. I still argue it's very relevant. It's, it can be very practical. But it's not quite at the same level as the question, Joe, that that you ask in terms of which Bibles are Christians that are theologically conservative or very orthodox in their beliefs. Which ones would they tend to rely on? It would be those Bibles I mentioned that are more conservative. 
Okay. Um, if we can, Mr. Woodward, let's, let's switch gears here. Um, sure. One of the things that I know our audience loves to talk about, and we have several guests that come on to talk about it. Last week we had Steve Quayle, or this week, I'm sorry, we had Steve Quayle and Paul McGuire on, and they both referenced this, the, the modern-day Babylon. We look at the Babylon of the Old Testament and some of the characteristics and attributes of the culture, and we mirror that today in what we see in America, and especially with this huge increase, as we've seen over the last 20 years, uh, for, away from truth towards the, the feelings being right, the, the perversions are, are becoming uh, rampant, widespread, being promoted by society, being promoted by the media, being promoted by uh, Hollywood and, and you know everywhere we turn, even the churches in, in many regards. Um, and mm-hmm. we see this evil coming upon this country where they're now celebrating abortions. They're now celebrating infanticide, the murdering of babies. They're celebrating uh, the decadency <laughs> of the perversion of children's being able to transition from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. And it's just absolutely right. uh, mind-boggling and heartbreaking at the same time. It, Indeed. It, is, this, is this what Babylon looked like in the Old Testament? <laughs> well, the whole discussion about Babylon and, and the nature of Mystery Babylon and so forth. I um, I did. I think I sent you a uh, a link uh, that you can post under your uh, or in your notes for the program. But also, I would direct people to my website. I just posted a uh, an article that I that I've written recently, but I hadn't really published before. But in honor of our getting together tonight, I went ahead and published it, and it's uh, it's essentially called the the city of Babylon is divided into three parts. And uh, there it is, the great city Babylon divided into three parts. And so I'd encourage people to study this. It's a, it's a relatively lengthy article. It's about 5,000 words, which is about 15 to 20 pages in a book. <clears throat> but it gets into this whole discussion about which city might be the, you know, sort of the great city of Babylon. Now, what I argue in the article is that while there, there are some very specific reasons why we need to pay attention to individual cities – Historically, and this is kind of a what's called an historicist point of view. So, you know, there are those out there. I'm a futurist, but I do think that there's some aspects of historicism in prophecy that we have to pay attention to. For instance, Martin Luther said during the Reformation that the Pope was Antichrist and that Rome was Babylon. Rome was Mystery Babylon. And I think that in the context of his time, that's exactly right. And so one of the arguments I make is that every age, every generation of Christians, if you will, has to face Mystery Babylon, and they have to face a empire or two empires that uh, are very antagonistic towards Christianity, and they're antistic, uh, antagonistic towards uh, Jesus Christ, towards Yahweh. And so we all, throughout the church age, I believe, have to face Babylon. And Babylon, in that sense, is a symbol. And I believe that the woman riding the beast of Revelation 17 is a symbol, a symbol that applies to throughout the church age to different religions, if you will. The Revelation 17 is more focused on one part or one, yeah, one aspect of Babylon, the religious aspect, whereas Revelation 18 is more focused on the commercial, the, the mercantile, the economic, and then it kind of then moves more into the political and even military part. And so really, Babylon is not one part, it's three parts. Mystery Babylon, I believe, is in our day, 
I would believe that Mystery of Babylon is primarily the Catholic Church in Rome, Vatican City, but it's not exclusively so. I would argue that any religion that is highly antagonistic towards the gospel of Jesus Christ, I can think of Islam, for instance, as being part of Mystery Babylon. So I don't want to, I don't like to identify it solely with one religion. Now, having said that, I think that as we move towards the tribulation, the final seven years, and into the tribulation, it will tend to crystallize this religious aspect of Babylon into a single religious entity that is, from my standpoint, going to be the Catholic Church. All right. Now, I believe that in in several places we read in Revelation uh, chapter 16, 17, 18, and so forth, we learn that the Antichrist and the Ten Kings burn the woman with fire, and that the religious mystery Babylon, the harlot, if you will, is destroyed. Now, once the harlot has been destroyed, then what we see is we see the Antichrist go into the temple, and Jesus talked about this, the abomination of desolation in chapter 24, and we also read about this, of course, in in Daniel uh, chapter 9, among other places, that the Antichrist goes into the temple and proclaims himself God and worthy and exclusively worthy to be worshipped. And so I believe we would move from a uh, from the harlot of kind of Romanism, if you will, into a more pure occult Luciferianism. And I believe that that's really the religion that uh, exists at the end of the tribulation that's ultimately destroyed is this worship of the Antichrist. All right, so then that's one part of Mystery Babylon. But there are two other parts. Certainly in Revelation 18, we read a lot extensively about the the economics, the mercantilism, uh, the merchant, the merchandising. And this really ties in the Old Testament to Tyre and Sidon, to Tarshish. Certainly when we read, there's two passages I'm sure your, your viewers are very aware of that describe Lucifer and Satan in the Old Testament. One is uh, Isaiah 14, the other is Ezekiel 28. It's no coincidence, in my view, that in Ezekiel 28, that we're dealing with Tarshish, and we're then also dealing with, as we move further into that chapter, we're, we're dealing with an entity behind Tarshish, which I believe is, of course, Satan. And I believe it's, in, and I believe Satan and Lucifer are essentially one and the same. And so, in that, from that sense, mercantilism, in fact, most people don't realize this, you have Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon in today's Lebanon. In old, olden biblical times, that was Canaan, and the word Canaan actually means merchant. And what we learn is that merchants and economics, the buying and selling, certainly today human trafficking, uh, but any type of consumerism, any type of, of religion that's based upon what you can buy and sell, and that that promises meaning to life. That point of view, which is very much a religion, is the, is the second part of Mystery Babylon. Well, it's really part of what I would say is more, and we'll talk about this, the daughter of Babylon, which I want to get to, Jeremiah 50 and 51, that's really focused more on economics. And then finally, you get to the power, the military power, the military might 
which isn't really purely separate from the economics. Certainly, as we look at the United States, which I believe is an empire, I believe is playing into Bible prophecy. And I'll explain more in a moment, as time allows, uh, as to where the U.S. might be in Bible prophecy. But I believe I think, that, not to interrupt, but I think a lot yeah, of people want to hear that. I really. Okay. We'll make sure we get to it, all right? Because <laughs> my view is quite different than Bill Salas and quite different than Joel Richardson. And it's Paul but, McGuire and I are pretty close, but it's still different. Yep. As is mine. Uh, I'm, I, think, I think you and I are closer. Okay. okay. We're both suspicious that America's pretty evil, aren't we? <laughs> yes. Yes. Especially yes. given. Yes, I'll just leave it at that. And, uh, yeah, uh, it will it will get into that. All right, yeah. well, I promise you, we'll get into that. So, because that's really, I think the that's the part of Bible prophecy today that I believe has been woefully misunderstood. And well, I consider Bill and Joel both friends, but we really disagree on this. Yeah, and, and that's fine. I mean, intellectual disagreements are part part and parcel of the, the way of life. Just want to mm-hmm. show you, um, Joe. Uh, Wake up! Oh, the uh, wait, I'm reading some. Yeah, I'm, I got one of your. Mug. I'm drinking coffee out of one of your mugs. Oh yeah, Doomer, I, I noticed that earlier. Of course, Doomer Doug. You know, Doomsday I'll tell you what, Doug. Or do, yeah, Doomsday, Doomsday Doug. I'm sorry. Thank um, you. Yeah, that's one way that you can find me. If you just search on Doomsday Doug, it'll take you to my website. You, you know, I, I was sad when I got when, when we got those <laughs> mugs, <laughs> given the fact. Why my so? Name. Was it big enough? Well, no, I was thinking, I wish I would have thought of that, because that's a cool mug. <laughs> I, I mean, that's really a neat mug. I, I want one. I mean, we thank you for sending it. But I, I'm thinking, you know, man, why didn't I think of that? Doomsday Doug, fantastic. So, well, yeah, but, now, you, but if you buy a copy of my book, I'll show you where you can get those mugs. With your, with your logo on them, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, uh, but, but seriously, um, when you said about the United States, that remind that reminded me of the coffee mug, and of course, Joe's drinking that. But, but anyway, now that I've totally got you off track, continue. Please. No worries. No worries. Okay, so, all right, so the second part of Babylon is really the economics, the merchandising, the consumerism, uh, trafficking in the souls of men, as, uh, as the scripture says, I believe in, in chapter 18. Um, that's part two. Part three is the military which is interactive with the economics, the United States today dominates the world because it leverages um, economics for power. Uh, There's a book by a guy named John Perkins, too liberal for some of your listeners, but he has a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And in it, he explains in detail how the United States basically dominates the world by using uh, economic power and debt predominantly. You know, um, as much as I as as much as I understand about, yeah, um, I, he's not wrong. Okay, no, he's not. Wrong. I, I might not, I might not agree with a messenger, but right. I can't really, I can't take issue with the message. You know, no, no, the the evidence for that is just pretty clear. Yeah, that yeah. we're really good at that, and that of course what he says is that he really he doesn't come right out and say that he was trained by the CIA, but he says everything but that. And that this is all part and parcel of the shadow government, the deep state, and how the United States influences the rest of the world. And so it's a, uh, you know, it's a big, it's a big part. And so anyone that's willing to venture into a book like that, uh, I highly recommend it. It's extremely well done, and it really tells I, it like. I agree. So well, yeah. So 
one one more off topic question. You mentioned um, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm the king of off off topic stuff. You mentioned uh, human trafficking. Um yeah. this is something that uh is very close to me and uh some things that we are have been investigating, currently investigating, which is, I'm well aware of that. Um and and the uh, uh, I'll call it the ugly cousin of that mm. is the Pizzagate, ill mm-hmm. ill named Pizzagate. You know, right. unfortunately named Pizzagate. Right. Um, how? Well, I guess my question is how? Um, how much does that play into what you're referencing with as you <clears throat> referenced it? In, in plays that? into it. Plays into it a great deal. Okay. I wrote. Um, Almost seven years ago, I wrote a couple of books called Power Quest, book one and book two, and uh, really dig into the whole issue of, you know, what we kind of commonly call conspiracy theory. But really, it's, it's the whole issue of banking, um, the, the military industrial state and all of these different things and how they all kind of come together. But as we've learned, and I know, Doug, I know that you know this, that that for the for the greater part, the leadership of the world is – I don't know that the majority, but I would say an incredibly large minority of the leadership of the world is caught up in perversion and in uh, pedophilia, essentially. And that that the powers that be, such as the CIA and what's called brownstoning, basically to uh, entrap these leaders, um, whether willfully and knowingly or unwillfully and unknowingly, are trapped into some situation in which they're compromised. I believe that probably in the neighborhood of a third of our Congress people, um, most of our previous presidents. I mean, I happen to believe very much. I'm in line with Russ Dizdar and and a number of others in terms of SRADID. <clears throat> By the way, it was a good program with uh, with Russ. I believe that you all did a week or two ago. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, it was great, and uh, I really I really buy into that. Uh, my I have studied a great deal. Haven't written a book about it yet. But I've been toying with writing a book about it on this whole issue of SRADID and how it influences world leadership. But clearly, it is a big part of it. We see this in the English royalty. Uh, I have a friend named Doug Riggs. I don't know if Doug's ever been on your program, but Doug works extensively in the SRADID area. Good. I'm glad he has. Uh, Specifically with, in effect, offspring of the royals that uh, have been um, victims or – they, they prefer to be called survivors of SRADID. And so <clears throat> the long and the short of it is that I believe this was the program that was used by the CIA in the 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s, perhaps to some extent still today, in terms of how they create Manchurian candidates. Let me take a break. I'm going to get a drink here. Yeah, uh, th- th- that's fine. And of course, sir. Um, we're talking about a number of things with our guest, uh, Douglas Woodward. You know, it's, it's amazing how really, when you look again, I, I speak about the, the big picture and, uh, I see the big picture and mm-hmm. everything that we're talking about, especially tonight. I mean, these are all pieces of the bigger picture. Right. And, and now, now, as you're saying, um, whether it be the, the, I want to be careful of the words I use, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the perversion of some of the Bible or biblical um, sort of, of some of the Bibles out there or the, yeah. 
Okay, but you, but you do right. a good job in your book, Rebooting the Bible, uh, I, I, and thank you for writing that book, because I think it, it does explain a lot to Christians out there about the origins and, and such. And, and Right. So, okay. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah, go ahead and continue again. I don't want to take away from your time because th- this is fascinating, and, and, I, no, and no. I, I appreciate you taking well, answering that question too. Because oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, this is an area that I've studied in, and so I try to be uh, ready to respond um, if asked about this. So I believe that that the uh, Project MK Ultra, um, we've learned, for instance, if you watch the uh, the movie that was recently done about the uh, the male Unabomber, uh, we find out in the movie that he was a victim of MKUltra. That was part of the programming he went through, and no doubt was part of the reason why he went the way that he did. And so MKUltra was a dominant program. This is this is absolutely well documented. It was documented in the Church Committee, the Pike Committee, in the 1970s. Um, we know all about it. It's in the congressional record. It's for sure. And... Um, and we know that it plays a major role in the programming of the leadership of the world. And unfortunately, that's the case. But America is right at the center of this. It's not on the side. It's right at the center of this. And um, the, the, one of the aspects of the book that I get into in the PowerQuest book is the, is the uh, infiltration of the Nazis into America, their programs – how Joseph Mengele was instrumental in teaching the CIA these techniques. And I go, you know, into some areas where other people haven't been willing to venture. Um, but I believe that he was a key person and continued to be so up until his death, um, which was in the, the late 70s. I believe he was very active in the 50s less active in the 60s, a little bit active in the 70s. But for the most part, his act, his actions were done in the 50s and the early 60s. So he was influential. Uh, the CIA is compartmentalized, it, but it's been yep. a major player in this whole program. And this is – I'm so glad you, I'm so glad we're just touching on this. And again, I, I don't – you can go, go back to the original. No, this is, this is right at the heart. Let's go guard ahead. Because I, I think this is a component to compromise. You know, people mm. say, why isn't anything yeah. getting done in, in, in D.C.? Well – You are right. Okay. This is part of that. This is part of the reason. It's because people are – they are they are compromised, and therefore they're not willing to um, push back on this. Right, and it's you know we we all know the story, and you all have talked certainly about Bill Clinton and, and the Lolita Express and all that. This is just part and parcel of the way the world works, and people don't necessarily want to believe that, but it is absolutely the case. It is satanically inspired, and it is part of the way that Satan keeps control of the world system. It's through this very thing, pedophilia and uh, the blackmail of the leadership of the world uh, using this tool. Thanks for addressing that. Um, it's just, it just blows my mind when, when, when we see how things that you've talked about and, when, and are talking about and we talk about, it's just how everything is coming together, especially right now. Oh yeah, uh, you know, and, and you've you've earned that. Uh, you've seriously, you've earned that cup. 
Doomsday Doug. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and I'm back. I, I just had that. I just had to go refill mine. Uh, I had to get something warm <laughs> to drink down here in the, the cold studio. But I, uh, Mr. Woodward, I want to ask you this: the Pope. You mentioned yeah. earlier that the Roman Catholic Church and, and the role that you believe the Pope has played, not only in modern day times, but also throughout history, uh, citing Martin Luther's uh, ninety five or ninety nine ninety five thesis. And right. that he was the right. antichrist, and 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 held that, uh, and the Roman Catholic Church was that that beast system. Today we see that uh, just in the last week, Pope Francis was embraced by Islamic leaders in the Vatican, where they mm. he allowed the imams yep. to pray and to recite uh, from the Quran, and um, you know kissing them oh, and whatnot. Yeah. And now Pope Francis is in China. Uh, 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 communist China telling the the Christians in China to show respect and loyalty to the communist regime, who's been doing any and everything that they can to topple and destroy the Christian following in their country. Uh, what does the, and well? He, I want to get you, to the green you know, agenda from here. He was a but, communist in Argentina. Yes, to begin yes. with, we know that the liberation theology and all that. He was right in the middle of all that. So, you know, he we know his true colors. Uh, we know who the Jesuits are. Uh, we know he was the first Jesuit pope. Um, it is, you know, there's a lot of speculation that he will not continue to be the Pope much longer because of various issues that are going on, once again, dealing with pedophilia and the inner workings of the leadership within the Vatican and, uh, and the satanic rituals and all that. I mean, this is what Malachi Martin talked about. Tom Horn certainly talked about this. I assume Steve Quell probably has as well. And um, we know these things are, this is just the way the world works. I wish it weren't so. But this is what's going on. And uh, let's uh, piggyback this because the Pope is on board with this. The Vatican's on board with this. They've issued several statements and, and publications. Uh, kind of what Ocasio-Cortez has laid out in this uh, extreme new Green Deal. But the Agenda 2030, uh, <laughs> sustainable development, this push towards, uh, uh, I guess you could say, climate control, behavior control, uh, you right. know, they, they want to control the population, what they eat, how they transport themselves, what they do, what they emit, uh, what they're not allowed to have down to, you know, every last detail and decision a, a free will a human being makes. Indeed. Do you see this um, rolling into an end times system with the technology that we have? And we didn't even get into that aspect of it, the electronic health records and the, uh, you know, AI coming to fruition and the ability to computerize everything. Is this the perfect storm? for a one-world globalist religion type system that is described in the book of Revelations that will uh, rival and destroy the church no matter how hard they fight? Well, I, I'd say, of course, this gets into when does this occur and where is the church when this occurs and so forth. But but I would say that your general description there, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes, absolutely. The, you know, and I'm, Of course, I'm a technology guy. I worked for Microsoft for seven years, Oracle for several years, and so forth. So I'm, I'm pretty familiar with uh, computer systems and artificial intelligence and how this stuff works. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is part and parcel of the whole story. The mark of the beast, you know, um, if you think about the nature of the image of God in man, one of, those, that, one of the clear aspects of that is the freedom of the will. Now, our, our will is not completely free. We're influenced by a sin nature. But we still have freedom to choose uh, to some extent, influence, but still freedom. And I think the goal of Satan is to absolutely destroy the ability that we have to choose, to take away our freedom of choice. And so if you were to say, what is this number one program? It would be to eliminate the freedom of choice because that eliminates one of the key aspects of the divine image of God in humankind. And so this whole thing is the mark of the beast, one of the things – the mark of the beast signifies is that you have given up your freedom of choice. 
you are now belonging to the beast and you will be controlled by the beast. So it's like uh, it's like in Star Trek. It's the Borg. You've been assimilated. And we're, we're clo- are we are we not close from I mean, I, I guess I should say it like this with the it with my generation. I was born in 1983, right before, you know, computers were in every home. We always played outside as kids. We weren't locked to TV screens or, you know, didn't weren't brought up with that. Uh, I believe I was in maybe ninth grade before uh, you had maybe a room in the school that was dedicated to computers. So it's a totally right. different generation today. And we see that the uh, generation today has, seems to be so bogged down or, or tied down by technology that no kids are out playing anymore, hardly ever. You have mm. – everybody's looking at their screens, and now it's even worse. Infants, you know, we, we see these uh, kids, little babies who can't uh, cope with real life uh, – not babies, yeah. but the, from babies looking young, at the screens. Young children. Two young, yeah, two young children who grow up to be emotional train wrecks because they don't learn how to communicate. They don't learn how to cope with anything because they always have their head buried in the screen. How many more generate? I mean, one generation, two generations before everybody's listening to that, what that says on that screen, blindly, well, following I mean, it blindly? You, you know, you, you kind of bring up an interesting question, which is really the, the sort of the time frame and what is the limit? You know, there's there have been quite a few studies that basically say from just about any angle you look at, whether we're talking about artificial intelligence, we're talking about clean water, we're talking about food, you know, all these different things that can influence um, and create and affect the end of humanity, that all these things are going to happen within a generation, not within two generations or three generations. Now, granted, we may find some solutions to some of these things, but the idea that we are the terminal generation, I think there's a pretty strong case that can be built for that. And so, uh, yes, I just think that the concept of of intelligent technology such as the iPads and the iPhones and and those things that Google makes that do the same stuff, that that's all part of the programming of of humankind. And it's not all bad. And, you know, if we could all learn to use it on a limited basis, that would be great. But unfortunately, uh, it is an addictive uh, kind of situation. Most of us, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I, I grab my phone to see what's happened in my email, you know. And that's just nutty, you know. That's just nutty. It'll keep me awake, you know. So, uh, but we're we're that way. So, yeah, we have to be really careful about that. So, um, if we had to make predictions, what's the next step in the evolution of the development of this uh, one world government satanic type system? As, as, at least right. here in America, I mean, we see in Europe, free speech is now being criminalized or, or as hate speech and. Uh, uh, it's just getting worse and worse here. We see this rise of the socialist communist, uh, you know, uh, ideology, which is really just Satanism wrapped in a government ideology being promoted by these people. But we see the media behind it, Hollywood behind it, all of this, uh, you know, pop culture right. is now behind it. Even the, uh, some of the biggest anti-establishment rock and rollers and rappers ever, uh, are, are, have bought into this thing and are now promoting oh, sure. it. Um, trapped yeah. into the, like into the Illuminati, right? And all that right. kind of stuff. Right. You know, so, so yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess what's the next uh, step? Is there going to have to be some kind of world war, natural disaster, uh, alien threat? Right. I mean, right. what are we looking well, at you, here? You've and, opened up an interesting question. Let me let me answer it this way by kind of broadening the question a bit, because we wanted to get back to uh, your father wanted us to talk a little bit about America's place in, in Bible prophecy. So let me talk about where I think America is in Bible prophecy and kind of what the next step is for America. All right. So um, there's, you know, several views. 
Um, Bill Salas, a great brother, tends to look at the traditional view of how Lindsay Rome as both the religious as well as the economic and military sort of final empire, all three parts of Babylon being in Europe. Uh, Joel Richardson tends to see all of it being in Islam. And I have written books that deal specifically with why I believe both of those are not accurate and why both of those do not take into account this whole thing known as the daughter of Babylon, right, which is Jeremiah 50 and 51. We won't have time tonight to go through that. I'd encourage people to go to my website, look at my PowerPoints uh, sort of uh, tab, and look at some of the PowerPoints. They're free. Um, and drill down on some of the ones that deal with – there's one that deals with the next great war in the Middle East. Yeah, your person can probably collect – yeah, there you go. So my there's a PowerPoint on um, what's going to happen in America. There's a PowerPoint on uh, the next great war in the Middle East. These PowerPoints are going to give you a tremendous amount of information on what I believe is going – what I believe is going to happen. And I believe that America is not the, and this is a little bit different than where I was with Doug Krieger and Dean McGriff when we wrote the book, The Final Babylon. I don't believe America is the final Babylon. I believe it is part of what becomes the final Babylon. I believe that Anglo-Americanism, England and America, <clears throat> New York City, the city of London, the economic power of those two countries that they are the dominant power until America is taken out of the way, right? Now, unlike Grant Jeffrey and Tim LaHaye and Hal Lindsey, I believe that America's being taken out of the way is a violent um, catastrophe. And so I've written about this in The Next Great War in the Middle East. I believe that Gog and Magog, that war in Ezekiel 38, 39, addresses the issue of Russia coming up against, Russia aligned with Iran, with Turkey, uh, perhaps with Syria, perhaps with a remnant of Iraq, that it comes against Israel. But I believe before that happens, there is an attack on the United States. And this is something that's been predicted by a lot of different prophets. Dmitry Dudeman, Really, there's probably a, a half dozen that have seen visions where America is attacked. And I believe that this is what is predicted in Jeremiah 50 and 51, and that for the United States, that we are stepping closer day by day to judgment. We will be judged. We will be taken out of the way. Israel will stand by itself against these other powers, Russia and the Islamic powers. And I believe that Ezekiel 38 and 39 are in our lifetime, not after a thousand-year millennium, which, you know, others like Joel believes that comes later. But I believe, no, that happens, that happens now, basically, or within a few years. And I believe the United States has to be out of the way, that Russia will come against Israel, and that Yahweh will destroy five-sixths of the armies of Gog and Magog and the alliances that are with him. I believe that's what the Bible teaches, right? And so that is at the very beginning. It could be a couple of years before the seven-year tribulation, but it could be at the beginning of the tribulation. In my book, The Next Great War in the Middle East, I go and I go through and I show where all of the different 
prophecy teachers are in this issue of the timing of Gog and Magog. And I point out that quite a number believe that Gog and Magog happen two or three years before the tribulation, and that America's destruction happens right as that process begins. All right, so it's not a, it is not a happy message that I can give in terms of what America is heading towards. And I think, unfortunately, we, we know all too well what we're seeing with Clinton Incorporated and a lot of these other things, that America is earning its judgment. You know, it is, it is definitely accepting its judgment, and it is, it is cruising right towards it. And, so yeah, I believe that precisely. is coming. Precisely. Yeah, I believe. Uh, yep, yep. Go ahead, Doug. I'm no, sorry. no, no. I, I just, I just, I think that your analysis, when you when you look at what's taking place in America today, I think your analysis is spot on. I really do. Um, we are stepping closer and closer to judgment because I don't think any political solution is going to rectify the spiritual and moral bankruptcy that we're seeing with, whether it be the uh, the abortion or the infanticide issue or the degeneracy of the multi-gender situation regardless i mean it so i I agree with you no i think judgment comes to the house of god first the fact that america was a golden cup in the lord's hands but now that golden cup is full of as my colleague doug krieger says full of putridities he likes that word (laughs) (laughs) so and it is indeed putrid for sure so i believe that that occurs i think then after America is, is, in effect, out of the way. Now, I don't know what out of the way fully means. I don't know the extent of the destruction. I do believe New York is at the center of that destruction, however. So I wouldn't live in New York City myself, personally. Love to visit there, but I wouldn't live there. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's my personal belief. The extent of that beyond New York City, I don't know. But after that mm-hmm. occurs... I think the United States will be destroyed. Russia will be destroyed. You have two of the most dominating world powers out of the way. So then Europe can become an empire, a global power again. And within a relatively short time, the Antichrist steps to the forefront and he says, okay, you saw what happened between the United States, Russia, and so forth. I can bring peace. I will bring peace. And we will, and I will establish, you know, the, whether it was the, the covenant, you know, that was created back in, what, 1994 uh, between Israel and the Palestinians or whatever the, you know, whatever it is, that the, that the treaty or the agreement will be confirmed. And then after that occurs, the Antichrist will begin to go about the, the process of trying to organize one world system, one world government, the mark of the beast, all of that. Halfway through the tribulation, sort of the conventional scenario applies. The Antichrist goes into the temple that's been newly constructed, somewhere along those lines, proclaims himself God, declares uh, war against uh, Israel. And Christians, if we still are here, we might be. We might have been. We might have left earlier, right? Right. He declares war against those that represent uh, the people of God. Wow. And then we enter into the time of great tribulation. And so that's that's my scenario. And again, my main point that where I disagree with Joel and Bill is that I don't think either one of them are willing to address America. And I believe America is addressed clearly 
in Jeremiah 50 and 51 and in other places in scripture as well. So yeah. we're about out of time. So I'll, I'll pause there and we'll kind of wrap wow. it up. And there's so many other uh, Old Testament um, uh, prophecies that make reference to different things. And, and uh, we, we don't have time to get into with them today, but uh, right. Mr. Woodward is going to be back on, and uh, we, we will get into those, I promise, next time he's on. But uh, in the closing moments, anything uh, to promote your books, any, uh, anything Websites, you want to promote? everything. Well, let me, let me show you the book. I'm real proud of the, of the cover. Let's see. Can you all see this? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, mean, I think you showed it on the website. And um, it is not a small book, but it's, it's relatively easy to read, and it's getting great reviews. Everyone that knows my books says this is the best book I've written. And I think the thing that will be the most striking to people is the history of the conspiracy that occurred in which the Old Testament was attempted to be corrupted to keep people from believing in Jesus, and then how the chronology of the Old Testament was corrupted and how that influences the young earth creationists today, the age of the earth, uh, when did Genesis occur, I have an article out on my website that deals with the chronology. And so I'd really encourage people to get the book, but also to go to my website. I promise to be writing articles that supplement this. And, and again, I did write an article specifically on Mystery Babylon. So I think that'll be very, very timely for everyone. So you but, can look up Doomsday well. Doug or faithhappens.com with a hyphen. In the happens, faith hyphen happens. All right, so much. We're going to have we're going to have in the program description box on this segmented on this segment uh, all links to your websites and books. I want to thank you so much, and we're going to have to talk off air sometime um, about all of these things. Love to do it. All right, brother. Love thank you. Thanks much. Be awesome. You guys right. do great work. Thank you so much. That was uh, Doug Woodward, uh, Doomsday Doug, as the mug uh, notes. Be right back after this break. If nutrition is so important for health, longevity, and well-being, then why is your doctor not teaching you about nutrition? Because most likely your doctor never learned any of this in medical school. Less than a quarter of medical schools have even a single dedicated course on nutrition. Here is another interesting fact. The federal government spends about $10 million a year to educate people about healthy eating. However, the candy companies spend about twice that amount just launching a new candy bar. I'm here today to talk to you about the importance of consuming clean foods without GMOs and other toxic preservatives and to teach you how to never throw away food again. Did you know that in the U.S. more than $160 billion is wasted every year? My friends at Simply Clean Foods have solved this problem. Their line of fruits and vegetables as well as proteins like beef, chicken eggs, and turkey have a shelf life of up to 25 years. These resealable pouches allow you to consume only what you need for a meal and save the balance in your pantry for up to 6 months. This amazing food has only one ingredient that tastes better than some produce at your local market plus without any harmful preservatives like MSG. Nutrition is the key. Hypocrites say our food should be our medicine, our medicine should be our food. As old English proverb states, don't dig your grave with your own fork and knife. Please friends, go to www.simplycleanfoods.net. That's www.simplycleanfoods.net. 
foods.net today. They have single pouches and a variety of packs available. Or call 737-400-2066 and speak to one of their staff. And remember, he who has health has hope. Reporting on what the mainstream media won't, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on the Global Star Radio Network. Radio Network. Back to our third and final hour on this Friday, February 8th, 2019 edition of the Hagman Report. It's been a great show so far, and we got another great guest coming up in just a moment. He's a, a Iraqi war veteran and so much more. We got to meet him in Branson, Missouri, the author of a book, Omega Dynamics. Jamie Walden is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking about a number of issues uh, that deal with uh, the preparation of the mind, body, and soul. So you think you're prepared. That is the uh, topic of tonight's discussion with Jamie, and he's got a, a great uh, layout of, of uh, talking points and, and issues he wants to hit and go through to make sure that we uh, cover as much ground as we can on this uh, last day of the week. So uh, in other news, just real quick while we're bringing Jamie on, uh, NewsGuard, we've been talking about NewsGuard, the M- Microsoft uh, and, well, I guess it's a, it's Microsoft add-on. It's a browser add-on that is there to flag what they deem, they being the powers that be, who control these uh, computers, computer apps, and news, Mm -hmm. to say what is and what is not legitimate content, and what is content to be watched out for, and what is content that is, you know, uh, okay, it's good in their eyes. Well, NewsGuard defends New York Times' stealth edit of blackface story, not all changes necessarily corrections. And this is just another uh, factor, another layer in the story of the, I would say, the downfall of any credibility that this program NewsGuard has in actually trying to do what all fact-checkers and fact-checking organizations have failed to do, which is actually find the truth between the lines in, in these stories. And uh, this one's on Breitbart, and you can go uh, read about it. They label websites, conservative news sites, as untrustworthy compared to non-conservative news sites uh, like the New York Times. And even when the New York Times gets it wrong, NewsGuard comes to their defense and displays that it's green trustworthy. Not only that, they are uh, putting the green check mark next to stories that have already been provenly uh, there are stories that have already been proven false, like uh, the Duke lacrosse team being guilty of, of rape. Uh, you know, that has a green check. I mean, there's so many examples of these. It's just on and on and on and on. But now there's, again, a new layer here where uh, the New York Times, where editors changed the phrasing of a headline about um, one of the Democratic leaders in Virginia. It's not Northam. Uh, wearing blackface from dark makeup to blackface. They changed blackface to dark makeup uh, on the original headline, and then they did not update the article to notify readers of the change or explain why the initial headline was deemed to be inaccurate. And again, they put these green check marks next to them, and it's not the first time that the New York Times has changed its articles or headlines without explaining its decision to readers or apologizing 
for the initial error. And we could go on and on and on and on about this, but that article is at Breitbart. And again, the headline is NewsGuard defends New York Times stealth edit of blackface story. Not all changes necessarily corrections. Uh, keep your eye on, on NewsGuard and, and what it's doing and what it is labeling as trustworthy versus untrustworthy. Because if you uh, do some digging and you're paying attention and you find the roots of the story, um, you'll, you'll see like this. Uh, I've been talking about this hoax hate crime in Chicago where the actor from Empire uh, was allegedly attacked by two men were, uh, saying this is MAGA country as they wrapped the noose around his neck and poured bleach on him. Even though now the police are starting to uh, wise up, issuing a subpoena for his phone, saying that, you know, if he filed a false police report, we will hold him accountable to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, the video surveillance showed nothing to substantiate his claims. And all the there's a whole another whole laundry list of uh, other problems and holes in his story that just don't add up or make sense. But, you know, they're continuing to push forward. And new, that's another one. NewsGuard gives the green check mark, even though uh, the stories keep coming out. Uh, countering the narrative that was uh, officially put put out there. And I got to say this, we called it from the beginning that this looked like it was a hoax hate crime. None of it made sense. Uh, 2 a.m. in downtown Chicago. uh, I don't know too many people who were running around with rope and bleach looking for uh, people to uh, commit hate crimes against. And just so you can say this is MAGA country. It might happen some places well, in the country, but it, not in downtown Chicago. Let me and, say and, that. But I think, I think to your point, I think that this people people must understand because we are fighting this on, on a legal on a, in a legal venue. We are fighting this in in the eye of the, the court of public opinion as well, where we are labeled fake news, and yet you've got garbage pieces of crap. Uh, individual uh, arbiters deciding what's true and acting as accusers as well. Well, you're peddling fear porn, you're peddling fake news, you're responsible for swinging the 2016 presidential presidential election, you're responsible for uh, some moron going into a, a business establishment in D.C. and shooting a gun, you're responsible for this and you're you see, so remember when we spoke about fake news. Remember back when, what, three years ago? We were talking about this yeah. back then. Now you're seeing it. All right. So you think you're prepared. This is the topic of discussion for tonight with author and uh, war veteran Jamie Walden. We got to meet him in Branson, Missouri just this last year. Uh, a, a great family. And an awesome uh, – I, I look forward to, to working with this man in the future and to see what he's going to be bringing to the table. He wrote this awesome book, Omega Dynamics, Make Ready Condition One. And it is um, something that we all have to understand and I, I guess mentally, physically, spiritually prepare for as we continue to, to, to wade through these muddy waters and they're getting deeper and deeper in the uh, liberal insanity, in the satanic, uh, inf- uh, the satanic ideology infiltration, it's just getting so perverse so fast, and it seems like we're moving at breakneck speed. Is there anything that can be done to stop it? And we're just going to bring uh, Mr. Walden on. Jamie, it's great to have you back on the show. Hey, Doug and Joe, it's great to be back with you guys. It's always an honor and a pleasure. I love chatting it up with you guys and, and seeing if we can't get some good truth out there for the listeners. Absolutely, and uh, I know, I, I guess we can open here. Um, 
ready-made resources, Robert Griswold, one of the, the sponsors of Hagman Report, uh, who's done a lot for Hagman Report, and he's sponsored and, and uh, hosted events in, in Branson with Steve. He, he was uh, one of the vendors there and does offer great stuff. Sent us the night vision goggles, which are, are just fabulous. Uh, you know, can't wait to, to get out there and use those. Um and, and, and see how accurate and how great they really are. But, and so much more, the freeze dried food and everything else. Um, you got to go visit Robert this weekend. And that's an offer that's on the table for, for my father and myself as well. And we hope, hopefully we'll be able to take him up on that. But, uh, just real quick, tell us a little bit about your recent trip to the Robert Griswold's, uh, uh, compound. I was going to say compound. Yeah. And, uh, no, no, absolutely. I mean, Robert is, is, uh, a dear brother, brother in the Lord sincerely. Um, the way he, he, he walks the walk and he talks the talk. And that means on every level from preparedness to, to sincerely serving and acting as the body to the body. Um, he has, he has been, um, so compassionate towards our family in a lot of different ways and serving us and and um, just really believing in the work that the gods that the Lord is doing through through our family and and even with this book and 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 our our walk through the different fields that I've been into into missionary work and now into full time ministry and so going down there and spending time with Robert and his wife was just a sheer delight. Um, it was simple. It was pure, it was good, and it was definitely refreshing to experience uh, what the body of Christ is supposed to be like down there with him. Um, obviously, I'm always amazed at his, his uh, we'll call it a gear closet, more like a warehouse. Um, it's kind of like my field of dreams walking in there, and my eyes lit up like a kid on, on Christmas morning going, oh my goodness, I can't believe you have all this stuff right here in stock. So yeah, it, it, it was um, refreshing on a lot of levels, beautiful down there, and and uh, he's just a dear brother, and you know, and I, I, what you know, there's, there's no benefit in, in um, me ever pointing anybody towards uh, ready-made resources, other than the fact that you're dealing with a man of character, period, and a man who cares, and a man who fears the Lord, and who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and a man who is equally, equally well equipped in the uh, physical as he is in the spiritual. So, you know, I, I always direct people there for any of the resources. And tonight, obviously, we're going to be talking about uh, a preparedness in the physical, as well as more importantly, in the spiritual, as we get into that more and more and more. And, and I would just highly recommend uh, his website and his resources wherever possible. Well, that's great, and I'm I, uh, glad you you guys had a good experience, and, and Bob is great, and we can't wait to do that ourselves. But let's, let's do this. since uh, It's been a little bit since the last time you came on, and maybe some of the listeners uh, don't know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit, a bit about your experience, because you have a very interesting story, and you don't have to go through all of it. Uh, just give yeah. us the highlights, but you... Uh, uh, have really been around the block in a good way in, in your in your career. You've been on two tours in Iraq, if if I my memory serves correct, and you uh, w- were looking at possibly joining the uh, some of the three letter agencies. And uh, t- just get, give the listeners a little bit of info about yourself. Yeah, I will. I, I'm I'm going to give a quick rundown of my pedigree, anyways, because it's relevant to the topic tonight. And and I just want the listeners to know and and, and be deeply reminded of of uh, Philippians three seven through nine that what whatever was to my gain, I totally count as loss now compared to knowing Christ and becoming one with Him. So that's first and foremost. Everything else is garbage and rubbish compared to knowing Christ. So when I give you my pedigree, 
It's not because there's any self-glorification or carnality involved in it. It just is what it is. And uh, I've surrendered and entrusted everything to the Lord. And now he's doing a new thing with this life. But uh, to give you a quick rundown, I mean, from the time I was 17, I was basically slotted for for some of these, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, clandestine type type stuff. And I was going out to Washington, D.C., went to a National Youth Forum on Leadership, Intelligence, and Diplomacy at 17, uh, got senatorial nominations to Naval Academy, was going to the Marine Corps. Uh, like always, I bucked the system and just wanted to be enlisted infantry, which is all I ever wanted to do. Uh, so I was a sergeant in the Marine Corps infantry in a specialized platoon, got to do a lot of cool stuff, cross-training a lot of different things. Uh, from there, I, I got out and uh, got a degree in, in law enforcement and in history. I uh, did a stint with the U.S. Marshals, um, got vetted for some other alphabet soup agencies. I uh, ended up um, working for a municipal police department for a while. So I was an Illinois certified police officer for, for a while. Um, actually uh, made a huge career change. I wanted to do more um, just straight door kicking. So I thought I saw an avenue in doing a tactical EMS work and trying to get on a full-time SWAT team somewhere. So I went back to school, got my paramedic, uh, paramedic specialist. While I was uh, getting my paramedic, I, I started testing for Anybody and everybody who would take me from National Park Service TAC teams to uh, Border Patrol to anyone, you name it. And uh, I actually, uh, at the same time, was looking at local fire departments as well. And I ended up getting picked up by a fire department first. And while at the fire department, I, I got to be on a technical rescue team, a regional team that was deployable. From there on out, I did some tactical EMS work, uh, fire EMS uh, a little bit of things overseas here and there, whatever somebody needed a hand and ultimately ended up surrendering all that and setting it all aside and going into full-time ministry as a missionary in the Dominican Republic with my wife and children for the last couple of years. So I'm returning from the DR, seeing a lot of things that I've seen, being in tune to what I've been in tune to, getting a peek behind the curtain the way I have through a lot of different avenues uh, the Lord really burdened me to write this book, Omega Dynamics. So for the last year, uh, that's what I've been um, focused on. The Lord downloaded the book into my spirit, and it was on paper in about three weeks. A totally supernatural thing. It's his book from start to finish, and uh, it's really a good word for those for those who have ears to hear. It is a powerful, refreshing, impactful word, but I do not mince words with you needing to do business with the Lord as well. So that brings us up to where we're at today. All right. Uh, and where do we go from here? We, we have a lot to, to cover tonight. Um, my eyes just keep going to this one sentence, the tendency toward extremism on all fronts. This is a common theme we've been talking about seemingly with every guest that we brought on. Uh, and it increases more and more as each month and week and day goes by. Uh, what are we seeing here with this increase, not only towards extremism, but perversion, you could call it you know, extreme perversion uh, that we see being promoted and uplifted in our society today on a level that we've never seen before by uh, the, the organizations even that used to protect it the, from the mainstream media to the church. Uh, the church seems to be missing from the front lines. We have this push of infanticide and, and you know, transgender children and on and on and on and on. Are we seeing just the very beginning of this push towards this experience? And uh, before you answer that question, I just want to be on record in saying I am an extremist for morality. I am an extremist for life. I'm an extremist for uh, same or uh, um, heterosexual marriage. I'm an extremist for um, the anti-perversity and um, anti-immorality or pro-morality. 
my, my views are very extreme. So I just want to go on record by saying that when we're talking about extremism. <laughs> so, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and the bottom line is that there, there is, you know, I, I made a mention in the snow notes, or show notes that there's a, there's a, a, a transmutation of America altogether, right? And there's this extremism on all fronts. And you hit the nail on the head. It, it, it goes from, from the, the perversion to, to the bloodlust. Uh, to to the the lawlessness in our highest courts in the land, and to everything in between, to the great apostasy of the church, and 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 here's why people should be paying attention is because it's foretold throughout the word and all kinds of different illustrations. In particular, I'm thinking of Second Thessalonians two right now, where it talks about the man of lawlessness, man of perdition, the antichrist, whatever word you want to give him, cannot. Come onto the scene until the great rebellion occurs first. Or another translation say the great apostasia, the great falling away. We're also assured that the way of truth will come into disrepute. For the Christians, they will not tolerate sound doctrine. They'll have the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Uh, um, each person, just like it was in the Old Testament days, does what's right in his own eyes. The reason why, there's no fear of the Lord in land. And you know why you were able to lay out? that list of how you're an extremist, Doug, and Joe, I know you're in agreement and I'm in agreement, is because you fear the Lord. And to fear the Lord is to hate wickedness. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Amen. And to those who fear the Lord, he will reveal the mysteries of his covenant to them. And to those who fear the Lord, he'll also be a refuge in a day of disaster. There's so many attributes that are contained within rightly fearing the Lord that would cause the spirit, the indwelt spirit, the warrior spirit that with men whose hearts have been touched by God to well up and to be so undone, sick and tired of the filth and the garbage in this nation and globally that you will be an extremist. You will stand out from among the pack. You will be separate. And that's not a wrong thing and a foolish thing and a flawed thing that many Christians want to point to. That is that is righteous indignation. That is should be appointed to men by God that men should take on that they should house that they should eat and consume because we're promised that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. And again, that righteous anger and that righteous indignation does much to glorify the Lord who is all about his holiness, his righteousness and the foundations of his throne, which are righteousness and justice, not love, not tolerance, not inclusivity, not, not a, um, pacifism and cowardice the foundations of the throne of god are righteousness and justice and that might shock some people to know and understand that that it's not actually uh, uh grace and mercy and that's never to discount or to be dismissive of grace and mercy it is radical beyond comprehension it's what cuts mints to the heart and the kindness of god leads to repentance but i'm telling you what that is not the foundations of his throne it's righteousness and justice and when we live out from a right foundation Everything that's built upon it will stand the test of time. However, we know that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So we need to get back to the right foundation, the righteousness and justice of God, the fear of the Lord in our homes and in our nation and in our efforts and in our message and in our posture and actually make an impact in this world right here and right now. Because because like like the heading, you know, Joe and I, Joe, we talked off air a little bit earlier uh, you think you're prepared for what's coming? I'm telling you, through my background, 
There is nothing that could that that could prepare you for what is going to break out on this nation. It's only a matter of time. Our blood guilt is too high. Our cup of iniquity is overflowing. It's going to be forced into our hand. We're going to be told to drink it down to the dregs. But unfortunately, the spirit and the posture of of this sycophant American culture is going to ask for more. That's the scary part. It is the scary part, Jamie. And you raised some uh, really good points here. And it doesn't matter how well prepared you are, if you've been doing it for 10 years, stockpiling food, water, accessories, whatever it is, uh, that doesn't mean that you're prepared. You might be prepared uh, in the resources category, but mentally, physically, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually prepared. Without that spiritual guidance, you're not going to have the uh, uh, wisdom and understanding, as you said earlier, this this download from the Lord to be able to uh, understand what your mission is and, and what you need to do in these times. But uh, just real quick, back up a little bit. The lessons from Haiti, you went to Haiti with Gary Haven. You've served in Iraq. You've seen some of the most impoverished nations in our world, their cultures, their communities, and their sentiments and what it is that they want um what are some of those lessons learned from iraq and haiti yeah and and uh, this this is where um you know um king david said keep your servant back from the sin of presumption let it not rule over me uh the reason why i wanted to share with you my pedigree isn't isn't for any puff puffed upness if that's even a word but the reason why i want to share with you your my pedigree is to give you an understanding that i was under the impression I was presuming that I was pretty squared away when it comes to preparedness. Apart from the, the the training that I've had, apart from the lifestyle and the reality that I've been immersed in for, for over, uh, I don't know, 18 years up to this point in my life, this kind of rough and tumble world of, of can do. Uh, you know, I've been to jungle warfare training school. I've been to desert warfare school. I've been to mountain warfare. I've been to cold weather mountain warfare. I've been an assault climber, you know. What a paramedic, tech rescue, blah, 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 you name it. Okay. I, 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 again, I say that to say that, that if anybody should have a, a sense of competency, um, to enter into a post collapse or dystopic type of environment, I was under the presumption that it was me until I went to Haiti. Until Gary, who's amazing and he's a dear brother, I love Gary. We're getting ready to work together on another project here shortly out of country for a while. But when Gary flew me in to this mud, this mud landing strip on literally the tip of Haiti that nobody had been into yet. And and he was worried that people were going to rip the planes off his wing uh, or rip the wings off his plane for the food that was in it. And he drops me off. We unload the gear and he starts powering up that airplane again to turn around and take off and leaving me there. I have a backpack on my back and a satchel on my back. And I'm left here in the middle of Haiti, not knowing the language, knowing that now I have a two hour boat ride around a tip to a, uh, uh, an area that was completely lay waste by the hurricane, totally post collapse, no resources, no water. All the uh, aquifers and cisterns were ruined by the salt water and the storm surges. All the few fields were ruined because of the salt water ruining the fields. And every house was laid waste. It looked like a tactical nuke had gone off in that area. And when he powered off and he took off from that landing strip and I'm standing here with a backpack on and, and my kit and my gear thinking that I'm pretty squared away and I got this, I found out real quick what it's like to actually have to operate in a post-collapse world with all that you have on you in your backpack and the knowledge inside your head. 
And again, remember, I had a pretty decent skill set and competency up into that level. But my presumption and my hubris revealed great tactical errors in my mindset and even my equipping and my preparation physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that's why I'm passionate about that's speaking pretty, to that's it. That's pretty, you know, I, I don't look, I, I can't imagine. Okay. I'd be running, running after, uh, run after Gary behind the plane. I've been with, you know, Gary Haven. I'd be running behind the plane saying, you know, the plane, the plane, come back, come back, come back. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that. So you, you're there in a, in really, uh, by the way, I thought the Clinton, uh, foundation was supposed to take care of that. Apparently not. Apparently that was, that was a miss by the Clinton. Foundation. Okay. Um, what'd you do? What'd you do? I, it, it, I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, well, well, yeah. And, and here's, here's, here's some, you know, I could talk about, I could talk about this all night and, and I know we got a lot of ground to cover, but. But I just I just kind of want to give you the highlights reel here. OK, so you think you're prepared, right? You think that you 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 got your long term storage food. You got your water purification. Uh, uh, you have the faulty self-actualization that hey, I'm just going to live off the land. You know, I'm going to be a homesteader. I'm going to be a prepper. I'm going to go hunt. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm telling you, it is not going to happen the way you think it is. I can assure you it's not going to happen the way you think it is. We actually had with us probably what would be considered a six-month supply, a long-term storageable food, you know, the 25-year shelf life stuff. We did not crack one bucket or one container because of the caloric intake that it required and the resources that it would require to boil water, to get water, to fetch the water, to actually be able to prepare those meals. They were null and void. I think they ended up in the bottom of the ocean, to be well, honest with you. Really? Yep, absolutely. The, oh, that, the, that, the okay. amount of energy and the amount of, of, again, like I said, caloric intake and the resources that it takes to function at a basic level in a truly post-collapse reality is beyond comprehension. And, and, you know, there's there's a lot of websites out there. There's a lot of guys that are faithfully trying to to encourage people into the, in, in the preparedness field. But I'm telling you, unless you've lived it, if you're just a keyboard warrior that's reading other guys' blogs and then regurgitating on your own, I'm telling you, until you lived it, it doesn't play out the way you think it's going to. It never does. I mean, you talk about guys who live through through uh, uh, the crisis in the Balkans, even what's going on right now in Venezuela. They'll tell you it's not like you read in all the survival and preparedness blogs. There's there's no reason to be practicing bushcraft. There's no reason to be practicing primal skills because I'm telling you what, if you're having to use those, it's already too late. You're a dead man walking. It's all about preparedness. It's emergency preparedness. It's disaster preparedness. It's knowing and understanding what you're ac- what you're actually going to be up against. So um, how, how do we? I, I don't mean to interrupt, but but okay, you've given us the the, the scenario. Um, hopefully, the entirety of the United States or wherever people are listening to this in the, in the Western world in the free world won't look like that or, or be or be experiencing that or will they uh, or or regardless will will we encounter the same situation and if so what do we do right no and and that's a powerful question you know and and you guys touched on it with with uh, Mr. Woodward your last guest which by the way I'm in total agreement with everything that he he preaches and teaches I follow his work and 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 I believe he's dead on we 
we should have an expectation if we're if we're authentic bible believing christians we should have an expectation that that is what we're going to experience in this nation i already touched on it our blood guilt so, so uh, TV let, Land, let, my fact, TV Land me, reruns are not going to be available to me. Is, is that what you're saying? I'm not going to be able to watch TV Land 24 yeah, seven. Yeah. Well, here oh. let let me let me break it down Barney style for people. All right, there you go. You know, we we'd, we'd use that axiom in the Marine Corps all the time to break it down Barney style. I love it. Uh, uh, that's like the big purple dinosaur, right? We're going to break it down real simple. Amos five says. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be, uh, listen to the detail of, of the intensity of that day. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Again in Isaiah 24. Terror and pit, a snare await you, people of the earth. Whoever flees at the sound of terror will fall into a pit. Whoever climbs out of the pit will be caught in a snare. Does that leave anything to guess? No, that's I mean, pretty straightforward. I mean, really, does that leave anything to guess? That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And, and, and this, is, this is the recompense for nations that have forsaken God. He always says the sword, the famine, and disease. That's what he brings against the nation. Should we have any expectation of anything less? The, the blood guilt of this nation is beyond comprehension. And, and all the naysayers out there that want to talk about, well, the Incans, well, the Romans, well, the pick, pick, a, pick a society throughout history and antiquity that they want to compare it to. I'm telling you, this is wholesale slaughter in this nation on a level nobody's ever seen because it's industrialized slaughter. They, they, they literally have, have figured out how to industrialize taking the blood of the innocent, perverting the innocent, destroying the innocent, and attacking the innocent in every way, shape, or form. And to think that we should have any, other, any expectation other than how God always judges nations would be foolishness. And like I already said, it, it would be a presumptuous sin. Keep your servant back from that presumptuous sin. Let it not have dominion over me. Uh, the, so, so yeah, Doug, I, I mean, we should have an expectation that it is going to be that bad. So in answer to your question, what do we do? Well, there's, there's, there's obvious things, you know, as far as being prepared just because I shared with you the reality of it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. In fact, it should ingrain and reinforce the fact that you need to be AJ squared away on your preparedness. You need to, you need to know what you're doing and how you're doing it. You need to practice your skill sets. You need to know and understand the reality and be prepared emotionally and mentally to, to endure the rigors. I have a, um, let me read this here real quick. It says uh, uh, Revelation fourteen twelve, talking about uh, uh, the angel pouring out pouring out some of the judgments on the earth. He says specifically, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. You just said you're a radical, Doug. That means that means you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, uh, maintain patient endurement endurance. Because you're going to remain obedient to the commandments of God, so we need to get you equipped. Me in. That I, I, you know, I do understand what that I do understand what you meant and what, what that means. Mm-hmm. Count me in, and, and I understand what comes with that too. Absolutely, you know, and, and I, I see the same in you. Yep, 
And you know, Jesus Jesus told those who who were following him for all sorts of different reasons, pure, impure, uh, whatever their motives were. It's no different for the church now today. People follow Jesus for all kinds of different reasons, but he specifically told them that they need to count the cost. They need to count the cost. If you're all in, you better be all in. You know, and 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 just like Joshua said, I'll tell you what. As for me and my house, we will follow. We we will obey the Lord and follow the Lord to the death. And and that's why it's so critical. That's what the book Omega Dynamics is all about. And and I just beseech you, listeners, those with ears to hear, to get the book, get the book, not because I wrote it. Not because there's any benefit for me from it. Get the book because it's the good word of the Lord. There's over 900 scriptures in that book. And it's about solidifying and growing your roots down deep into the living waters of Jesus Christ and drawing out from it that you would be so steadfast, confident, and secure in the Lord, the true and better warrior, the coming Messiah ben David, the conquering king, that you would have the boldness, the testicular fortitude, and the equipping and the knowing of the Lord to stand the test of time that you would know and not love your life so much as you're afraid to lose it because you know that it's not your life anyways. You're, you are already in Christ and he is in you. And to those who overcome, he'll give the right to sit beside him just as he overcame and sat beside his father in heaven. That's a good word. Yeah. It's a good truth. And we need to know it and live out from it. Jamie, we've seen such just a transformation in our society, and I've went over this with the other, just uh, our last guest, Douglas Woodward. But the rapid decline in in morals, in uh, belief systems, in religion uh, uh, following, whether it's organized religion or otherwise, just belief in Jesus, we've seen this continued uh, uh, just I'd say uh, rejection of Jesus and His gospel in all public places, and it is now an offense. Uh, for anybody who is a practicing Christian to state their beliefs in front of anybody who might take offense to it because now you are going to be labeled some sort of bigot and whatnot. How much longer, if possible, uh, if it could happen here, before the Bible is banned in America? Or do we see this first? The judgment based on all America's sins, bringing out the uh, judgment on America to where it's it's partially destroyed. Or as you put it, the blood of guilt of America. And we see that there is plenty to go around from the 70 million aborted uh, babies in the mother's womb. Now they're moving towards infanticide. We see the push of the transgendered children, pushing the sexual perversion on children, making them change genders, and on and on and on and on. Those are the two examples I've used tonight. But this is part of that spiritual preparation. Um, what can we do if, I mean, if judgment's already been dis- determined, which we don't know that it has yet, we, there still might be some time, but we see that the pu- population is growing more and more uh, 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 apathetic, and they are more disengaged. The, the more tense and the more serious the, the, these things get into, whether it's religious issues, political issues, whatever it is. Um, judgment of the Lord, do you see it coming to America sooner rather than later? Yeah, I, and you know, none of us can can speak to the exact timing of of when it's going to occur, and and I wouldn't ever ever pretend to comment on on God's long suffering and His patience. It's beyond my comprehension how merciful He is. How long? I know He was merciful and long suffering for me. I know He's been merciful and long suffering for you and for so many of the other listeners out there. And 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 He's patient, not wanting any to perish. You know, like it like it says in uh, I think it's Second Peter. Don't count slowness. God does not count slowness as we do. He's patient for us. And, and um, to me, the number one indicator of the lateness of the hour is all the things that you were talking about. 
It's not necessarily the the earthquakes in diverse places. It's not necessarily that there's more volcanic eruptions occurring than in all recorded history. It's not necessarily these different geopolitical alignments that are occurring and and in the the announcements coming out of the Vatican daily and all this stuff. But to me, the number one indicator of lateness of the hour is the spirit of the people. And in particular, not just the spirit of the people, but the spirit of the people in the church. You know, we're, we're told that the Laodicean church, the last church age, which I believe that we're, that we're way into, it says they will say we're wealthy and in need of nothing. That they'll have this faulty self-actualization that they're doing it for Jesus, right? Look at, look at our satellite campuses. Look at our ministries. Look at our bookstores. Look at our, 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 uh, uh, our, our broadcasting capabilities and all these things, right? And, and, and yet, this faulty self-actualization runs so deep that the Lord God Almighty speaks over them. Actually, Jesus Christ and says, you think you're wealthy? I'm telling you what, let me, let, me sh- let me share with you how I see through my lenses. You're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked, and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So, so that's, that's how polarizing and diverse our perspective of ourselves are as the church compared to what God says sees in the Laodicean age. The way of truth will come into disrepute. They will not tolerate sound doctrine. They're going to surround themselves with any number of great teachers telling them what their ears, their itching ears want to hear. Notice it doesn't say obscure teachers, fringe teachers, teachers that are written off as being conspiratorial or kooks or tinfoil hat wearing guys. It says the great teachers is who they're going to surround themselves with. You know, they'll have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They'll be proud, boastful, arrogant, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is talking to the church. These these letters and these epistles and these warnings are speaking to the spirit of the church age. And they're going to mock and scoff the coming of the Lord. And they're going to say, this is the way that it's always been. And that's what my ears hear constantly from the naysayers. You know, as as the great uh, a great philosopher Confucius once said, Haters are going to hate, and potatoes are going to potate. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist it. <laughs> I, I love it. L- let me let me stop you right there because I uh, um, I want to take a, just a moment here and, and thank our sponsors, thank our supporters. Thank you to all of our supporters who support this program financially. We really appreciate what you do. We do have sponsors uh, to uh, assist with the cost of the bandwidth to bring this at HagmanReportLive.com and away from uh, the uh, uh, YouTube and the other powers that uh, strangled this message, one of which, of course, is 1-800-Flowers, a sponsor of ours. We really appreciate that. And, folks, if you haven't done so already, now is the time to order flowers, 1-800-Flowers.com. It's really not that complicated to uh, to operate. If I can do it, you can do it. Roses from 1-800-Flowers.com. Hey, they're a no-brainer. In fact, right now, if you order early, 1-800-Flowers.com has amazing deals on vibrant romantic. Uh, for example, Valentine's Day, if you, if you do celebrate that or any special occasion, 1-800-Flowers.com is the place to go. The value is starting at just twenty nine ninety nine. Plus, there's so many other things at that location to order Valentine's bouquets or just for, for just because you love that person in your life. Arrangements and and, and and more starting at twenty nine ninety nine. Go to one eight hundred flowers dot com. Click the radio mic icon there. Enter the code word Hagman H A G M A N N. Order today and save at one eight hundred flowers dot com. Make sure it's make sure you put in the microphone code Hagman H A G M A N N, or else we just won't get credit for it. So uh, that's one eight hundred flowers dot com. Mic code Hagman. Uh, Jamie, thanks for allowing me to do that. And uh, Joel, okay, we'll continue. Uh, you guys. Well, 
Jamie, where, where do you want to go from here? You talk about force multipliers, and I, I'm looking at the clock. We only got about 20 minutes left, so I want to make sure we get through as much of this as possible because you sent us a lot of content. Um, but if you want to get some, if you want to talk about something or address something before we get to the force multipliers, feel free to do so. But I want to get into this uh, when we have these uh, issues, or, or I could say catastrophes, whether natural disasters or let's say the EMP. That's a great example we hear used in the news all the time today. Is I mean, the threat is there. We could have our electronic grid shut down by a North Korean military or a Russian military satellite by detonating a nuclear device over top of the atmosphere, sending an electromagnetic pulse that would kill the power, kind of like what we saw with solar flares in, the, I think it was 1812 uh, or 1850s, where all the telegraph wires were burned and communications were shut down. That's a force multiplier. But you mentioned this. You say our ultimate West weapon of mass destruction in the art of war of the ages is the word of the Lord. How important is it for each and every individual Christian to know their Bible and to know the the God that created that Bible for them? Oh, oh, it's 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 everything, Joe. The bottom line is that there's only two things that are eternal: you, your soul, right? Each each individual and the word of the Lord it says, "Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away." The reason being is is the word is what God. God spoke the world into existence. He speaks dead man back to life. He speaks uh, uh, a reprobate and, and gives him a new mind. And, and it's Christ Jesus who is the word. And Jesus is the sword. And the sword is the word. And the sword of the spirit is the word. And everything is centered on this, on the word of the Lord. The reason being is because it is his word. It, it, it's not formed by errant men boastful and arrogant men, perverse men. It is the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Holy Spirit. And it's, and it's immovable. That's why, uh, you know, we're, we're reminded in second Corinthians 10 about the fact that, that our, our weapons are not carnal. We don't, we don't wage war with the things of this world. Our weapons are mighty to the tearing down of every stronghold and every false pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Even that very verse itself, speaking that verse, is an act of war. So when I talk about the, the, the fact that believers in Jesus Christ have the WMD, we have the true and better heavenly WMD, the weapon of mass destruction, which is the word of the Lord. But not only is it the, word of, but not only is it the weapon of mass destruction, it's also the weapon of mass deliverance, and it's a weapon of mass delight. And it's the weapon of mass desire, the desires of our heart. It's also our weapon of mass dependence. And it's our weapon of mass dominion over all the powers of the darkness. There's no greater act of worship than when a, when a Bible-believing uh, man or woman speaks God's words back to him. There's nothing that causes the powers of darkness to tremble on the field of battle and in the throes of combat than a Bible-believing Christian who knows and understands the word of the Lord. It's everything. His promises, his edicts, his truths, his commands and decrees, what he builds up and what he tears down, everything is contained within the word of the Lord. And as we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, which is his word, and as we begin to wield it with skill, we are unstable unstoppable on the field of battle. I, you know, I mentioned this in the book, truly believers in Christ Jesus who know their God, right? We're told Daniel eleven thirty two talking about the end times. Once the antichrist is on the scene, it says that those who know their God will go forth and do exploits. It doesn't say those who like their God, those who go to church. It doesn't say those who have salvation, those who are converts. 
No, it says those who know their God. There's such a unique depth of intimacy that's contained within this idea of knowing the Lord, of communing with him, tabernacling with him, uh, being found dwelling and abiding and hiding with him. And we can only do that through the word. That's why it is the only weapon that we're told to take hold of. Take, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the Lord, Ephesians 6, because it is so powerful. So Christians need to stop dragging their sword around behind them on the concrete like some ill-equipped uh, conscript that's, that's uh, um, um, I don't know, disenchanted and befundled and, and doesn't like the weight of it and feels like it's cumbersome. They need to stop hanging it uh, over their fireplace like an ornament where it doesn't even have any wear marks of war on it. And they need to take it and know and understand what it is to wield it with skill and with precision because we're promised that it's double-edged. So it only has one purpose, and that's a weapon of warfare, and it's a weapon of mass destruction over all the powers of darkness. It's what, it's what leads men to repent. It's what leads them to hope. It's what leads them to, to worship and be refreshed. It's what leads them to get on their knees and repent and, and lament. It's what does everything for the kingdom of God is the word of the Lord as revealed through the Holy Scriptures and that we find fully manifest in Jesus Christ. That's why those who know their God will go forth and do exploits. They know that it has nothing to do with the strength of their faith. It has everything to do with the object of their faith. Christ Jesus, the true and better warrior king. Amen. And, and that's very well said, uh, Jamie. And again, we're talking with Jamie Walden. He is the author of an impressive book, Omega Dynamics. Jamie, where do folks go to get your book? You can get the book at uh, omegadynamics.org. Uh, that's omegadynamics.org. It's also available on Amazon. I am actually releasing this week, just uploaded it today, a uh, study guide. It's a 140-page study guide that goes along with the book because it's so um, uh, uh, just just thick with the truths of the Lord. It really takes time to go from the recruiter's office to being a frontline warrior. And that's what the book is designed to do. That's what the study guides and designed to do is to get men and women who are who are of a similar spirit, who have been touched by the Lord, who hunger and thirst for righteousness to really grow their roots down deep into this rich warrior culture and warrior class that we've been invited into, over which Jesus Christ is the perfect example. Amen. And I want to uh, go back to something you said in uh, before I asked that question, which was about the, the preparations, the mental, the physical, the emotional uh, preparations that we need to have in place in our own uh, hearts, minds, body, and souls as we move into this time, but the spiritual preparation. So many people, you know, you talked about uh, the prayer and uh, the, the, the spiritual warfare aspect of this, which is more encompassing than I think a lot of people realize, and uh, the preparedness for that. Uh, give us some insight on why it's more so important for the spiritual aspect uh, of the preparedness in the spiritual warfare battle, uh, more so than any other. And what are some of the things folks can do to at least get their foot in the door and, and get a, a handle on that aspect of the battle? Absolutely. Outside of your spiritual preparedness, you have nothing. If that's not squared away, you have nothing. If you're, if you're, um, if your home, if your if your children, if your reality around you is not focused and fixed on the author and perfect of your faith, Jesus Christ, nothing else outside of that matters. Plain and simple, um, the Lord is your provision. 
The Lord is your your forward guard and your aft guard. It is the Spirit of the Lord that dwells within you. He is the one who 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 is the voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. He guides and directs his, his people where they should go, when they should go, how they should go. Um, you know, the Lord has never been concerned about the quantity of men or the quantity of things that we can bring forward to them to towards him and say, here, look at what I've done for you, Lord. Look at what I've stored up for you. Look at what I've look at what I've produced in this life for you. He has no regard for that whatsoever. The only thing he has desire of is the is the quality of a man or woman's heart. And and so as we um this tumultuous tumultuous time continues to to progress down the prophetic timeline, right? We know we're only going one direction. All right, there's there's no backpedaling. We're only ever going one direction since the history of humanity, and that's towards this the coming of our conquering King Jesus Christ, Messiah Ben David, um, which is going to be an awesome and glorious day. And so, because of that, because of that, we we are to be focused on purifying our camps and getting solidified in our identity in Christ Jesus. What he has done and what he did uh, uh, in his life and in his ministry on the cross and by by leaving that tomb empty and by taking the fight directly to the enemy down to Sheol and snatching the, the keys of death in the grave from the enemy and rising again and having the power to take up his own life again over that and conquering death in the grave. This reality, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ it's so central. It's so paramount. It is literally the only reason why you are breathing and existing, that the Father might be glorified through the Son and by you, giving yeah. giving glory to the Son. You quote Debbie Bontragalupi. She says we are losing, and you just said, you know, this battle seems to only be going one way. We talked about the extremism on all fronts. Um, the, the Saul Alinsky and Cloward Piven tactics. I want to get your take on how this plays into all of that, as well as the the transmutation of America. It's not the tra- I like how you word it because it's not the transformation of America, like Obama said, we're going to transform America. It's the transmutation of America. What are we witnessing taking place here in America? And I asked you this before about the judgment coming on America, uh, but do you believe that in these times that we're in, that these are a, the end times, and then B, that America will receive a judgment separate from the rest of the world, or will it be, uh, as our last guest said, Douglas Woodward, where maybe it is the Babylon of old reborn again and will uh, you know, be around when those end times come? Yeah, I, and and that's a tough question because there's a lot of a lot of amazing scholarly scholarly research that that um, shares the different viewpoints on who is Mystery Babylon and 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 also America's role within it. I'm under the personal belief that that uh, you know uh, through a lot of studies that that America as we know it will no longer be. However. You know, when you look at the works of Adam Westhop and and these and these guys who sought to to uh, create a new Atlantean age in this area and and the Egyptological findings that we have in here and the Canaanitic findings that we have inside the United States of America and all the historicity that that's even embedded within our our uh, our imagery in Washington D and, and everything else, I I see a very strong case for Washington D.C. itself being the center of mystery Babylon of the end times. However, I do also know that God judges nations in history and he judges men's hearts in eternity. So, so to say that, that we're going to escape unscathed because this is going to be some, some, uh, uh, 
perverse, end times, utopic, antichrist, uh, global ruling beast system, so Americans are going are gonna to get through it just fine, would be a grave error to, to enter into that presumption. Um, and when I, when I mention a transmutation, the reason why it's a transmutation and not, and not a transformation is because the very genetic coding of our morality and, and, of, and of our hearts and our spirits is being tampered with by the Luciferian white coats in high places. That's why it's a transmutation. We're actually being mutated at the most basic level. When you got Good Morning America celebrating and clapping for a 10-year-old drag queen yep. boy, yep. is there not a, a – genetic mutation that has occurred in this nation and nobody bats an eye and no pulpits are preaching against it what the heck is going on it's time for it's time for 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 the men and women who have counted a cost like we mentioned earlier doug to count the cost it's time for the men men and women who have counted a cost to stand up and get in the freaking fight because this thing is getting nasty real quick and it's going to cost us and it's going to cost us our children and it's going to cost us our every ounce of what we think is normal and sane and good because they're trading bitter for sweet and good for evil and they're flipping everything upside down. Part three of your book, Get in the Fight, and the subchapter eight is The Warrior Culture. And I want to refer you to a listener email we received just yesterday, and they say this, and this is, a, I see a lot of emails come in like this of listeners who share the same sentiment. It's almost, it's not a, a hopelessness or despair, but it's like, what do we do? They say the following. Uh, they say, you know, we are supporters. We listen almost daily and support your campaign. We just wanted to tell you thank you. But do you have any advice on how we can stand up for the innocent blood? We pray and support you. Pastor Langford Steve, by buying books, we don't know what else to do. We have no local church or network uh, with regard to uh, uh, fellowship with in, in protest against these abortion laws. And are you aware of any ways we can stand for the innocence or suggestions? Basically, I, and this is a one example of an email but the overall theme of a lot of these emails is how do we get into the fight we're you know we're uh the average uh, couple uh doing our, our work uh you know being the mother of four uh husbands working all the time we're doing the best we can but how do we this is what they're saying how do we get into this fight and how do we be effective in that fight right and and you know what there's there's a lot of ways to go about answering this but but i'm going to answer it in a way because i mean there's I mean, what Coach Dave is out there doing and other people, he is he is activated. He is mobilizing. He's out there doing it. He, he's 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 uh, politically active. He show. I mean, we were we were just hanging out with him. I don't know, a week or two ago, he came over here to Iowa and they went to the doorsteps of Des Moines when they were passing the heartbeat bill and they made a stance and they just showed up. And they did whatever they could do. But I'll tell you what, here's an answer that most people don't like or they don't want to deal with. The number one way that you can get in the fight is in your own home and in your own heart. You need to be purifying your carnality of anything that puts itself in the way of the glory of God. Any hindrance, any sin that's encumbering, uh, uh, encumbering any devoted thing that you're maintaining in your life, if you want to get in the fight, you need to first and foremost get in the fight inside your own heart and in your own home. Because your own heart, your own flesh is treasonous towards the Lord. And like any act of treasonous to put to death post haste. That's why we're to crucify our flesh on the cross with Jesus Christ. And as we do so, we're promised that we're, we will be a vessel made for special use, right? And that again, that comes down to that knowing of the Lord. Those who know the Lord will go forth and do exploits. It doesn't mean that those who are highly 
uh, uh, active and have a, a lot of pings on their blog or whatever the case is, it doesn't say that those are the ones that are going to go forth and do exploits as those who know the Lord. So let me put this forth. The Lord calls things that are not as if they are. So I speak this to you, brothers and sisters out there who have ears to hear, you Gideons of the Most High who are warriors, even though you don't feel like it. You're the least among these. You feel like you're old or you're infirm or you have nothing to offer or you're young and you're ill-equipped or you don't have the financial resources. You who feel like you've dwelt your whole life in obscurity and you've been longing with this burning passion in your bones to glorify and honor the Lord God Almighty for what he's done in your life. And you know and understand the signs and times. I'm speaking to you right now. I'm telling you what. The Lord calls the things that are not as if they are. You are a warrior because that is who Christ Jesus is. And he is in you and you are in him. And the revelation awaits the appointed time. And he has men and women all throughout the land, just like it was in Elijah's day, who have not bowed their knee to Baal. And there is going to come a day when he's going to call on you to fight, to get in the fight. And, the, and it, might not look, look, might, it might not look like the way that you think it does. It might not look like this, this, uh, uh, um, uh, this guy who puts on kit and goes out there and starts kicking doors. It might look like you being on your knees and lament, weeping and crying out to God for the blood of the innocent. Because we're promised in Ezekiel 9 that those who he found, he found weeping for the sins of Israel – an angel was sent out with a satchel on his side to put a mark on their foreheads. And he said, these are not to be harmed by the judgments that are coming on land because they were weeping and mourning for the sins of the people. I'm telling you what, when you get in the fight, it's in your heart, it's in your mind, it's in your spirit. And when you get so undone and so obedient to the Lord and you get so stilled and patient in your heart that the only voice you ever hear is his whispering to you, that's when he will lead and direct you to exactly where, when, how, and who to engage in this fight. But just Very running nice out willy-nilly, I'll tell you what, you're going to be casually on the battlefield. You need to do business with Jesus, period. Very well said. And, and I think um, when we look at things right now, yeah, uh, I, I don't think there's anything I can add or, or should add to exactly what you just said. We've got about two minutes left uh, uh, your book is fantastic. It's, it's, I think it's required, required reading. And I would urge everyone, well, tell people how they can get it and uh, follow you as well and follow what you're doing. Give yourself yeah, a Yeah, abs- a- absolutely. Uh, again, you can get the book at omegadynamics.org. That's .org. And also it's on amazon.com. And, and again, I, I beseech those with ears to hear. That's a very very uh, distinct word I'm choosing, those with ears to hear, to get this book. And again, not because it's mine, because it's the word of the Lord. I told you how it came into being. It's amazing. It's profound. It's unbelievable. Even as I reread it, I can't believe the word of the Lord that's contained within it. It calls me to weep and cry at other times. It causes me to be totally exposed to where I'm grieving the Lord and grieving the Holy Spirit. And at other times it just fills me with power and boldness to stand firm until the end like we're called to do. And again, it's important to note that our armor, the armor of God that so many Christians want to throw around so flippantly without any weight to what they're saying behind it, the armor of God is designed to defend you just enough so that you can offend. The armor of God is active, it's dynamic, it's offensive in nature. It's so that you can take a couple rounds to the chest and you can keep on fighting. It's so that you can confidently be the first in the stack spiritually 
and you can kick doors on the enemy and you can strike a blow where it's needed to be struck. So again, I, I just encourage people to to read this book and and if you're so so inclined also to get the study guide to get to, uh, together with other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and actually work through it and and unlock this warrior identity, this warrior culture, this warrior class to which you already belong. Well said. Yeah, very well, well. said. Uh, Jamie, we're going to see you in uh, North Carolina at the Age of Deception Conference, or are we going to see you again this year in Branson, Missouri uh, at the True Legends Conference? Do you have those plans laid out yet? Yeah, actually, actually, I was really hoping to make it to North Carolina. I was really excited about that. But, I, you know, we talked a little bit off air. I'm actually going to be out of country for the next couple months going yep. and doing another little yep. uh, whatever secret squirrel thing. So <laughs> I'm going to be out of the country yep. for – for a couple of months, uh, moving the family down there and, and, and doing some work, um, behind the scenes. And then I'll be back in action. I, I know I got a couple of speaking engagements around the nation when I get back and, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll just keep moving forward with advancing the kingdom of God. I hope this next trip, they're not going to throw you out of a helicopter pulling the parachute with you blindfolded, uh, at some undisclosed location in another country. Hopefully, actually, get, actually, given this mission, that might be exactly what goes down again. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, we wish you the best, and hopefully we see you this uh, fall in Branson, Missouri. Again, Jamie Walden, Absolutely. our guest, Omega Dynamics, is the book. Make sure that you get the book if you can and read it. It's a battle plan uh, and, a, and a plan of action in these end times against how to fight against us mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And, and uh, to it, thank you, Jamie. And, folks, thank you for listening. Don't forget, Patreon meeting this Sunday, 7 p.m. Patreon meeting this Sunday, 7 p.m. for our patrons. And God bless you. Thank you for your, your support, and thank you for your prayers, and thank you for listening and tuning in. May God bless. Have a great weekend. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.